0: Have I got a story for you? A young boy struggles to apply himself in school. Almost has his basketball dreams taken away because of grades. Realizes it's on him to make the difference in the classroom. And now, he's on his way to a doctorate degree while giving back to his community through counseling. But first, a word from today's sponsor. AndrePsyche.com. It is one of the coolest, dopest, most original websites for all sorts of merch on the entire world wide web. Really, if you go there, you'll believe me. Andre is the proprietor and creator of everything that you're going to see on the screen. And when you go to AndrePsyche.com, you will be impressed. Let me give you a little audio insight as to what his website offers. arts. Prints, podcasts, videos, music, hilarious and serious, clothing, accessories, and fine, fine, fine literature. He's authored two books, both of which are available for digital download and hard copy. Space Between, Crescent Shadows, a little bit of poetry, and Expedition of the Psyche. It's a journey into Andre's mind as he paints. Now, don't be like me and get freaked out by the 147 pages of poetry. It's just Andre expressing his emotions and thoughts, which are actually really easy to connect with and have helped me to meditate on things within my own personal life. It's like uh, free counseling to be honest with you, which is something we all need <laughs> vulnerable moment, no judgment. Go to andrepsyche.com And before you check out, check in with Andre message him for a promo code to save. AndrePsyche.com, it's the merch rabbit hole worth falling into. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Right now, this very moment, while this intro is wrapping up, take just a second and search for the podcast on social media to friend and follow. It's all one word, getting, the number two, no, the letter U, pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and also, don't worry, I promise, you still have time. Go to the application that you are playing the podcast on, you know, Google, Apple, Spotify link, I like Spotify the best for the timestamp stuff, Um, and subscribe to it. Click, it's just one little button. Rate, review the pod would also be a kindly appreciated attempt of support. Notion, notion of support. And if you have a brand, website, merch, business that you are trying to advertise, this podcast, yes, the Getting to Know You podcast is a global podcast with all sorts of listeners in all parts of the world. Consider partnering with us to get you or your business into the ears of our audience. All you got to do is message us. And now, Getting to Know You. Getting to know you Getting to know all about
1: you I'm gonna do a terrific show today
0: Getting to like you Getting to hope you like me
1: Because I'm good enough
0: Getting to know you Putting it my way but nicely
1: I'm smart enough You are precisely and it. My cup of tea on
0: today's show, we are getting to know Jawan. Jawan, my back-to-back guest from Delaware. So glad to have you on, man. Thanks for making the time.
1: Oh, man, I'm honored. I appreciate the opportunity, big time.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta be honest, man. I think you're the second person in three days to say honored, and it makes me feel Almost a little bit of a god complex at this point. I got to be honest. I feel like I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. As you said, you're doing a great job. It speaks to your work.
0: <laughs> there it is, right? <laughs> Humble brag at all? Yeah. Like yeah, you should be on. One day I'll be like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're honored. Let's move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So we had gotten connected through a Facebook group, and um, Haywood Burton had said, um, "Man, Jawan, you got to talk to my boy because I've been pestering Haywood to try to come on because Haywood was just one of those dudes that." like talk about like life experiences and perspectives and things he's been through. And I'm like, yes. Heywood, man, like share some stories, dude, help people who don't, who might not get to conversate with you or might get put off within three minutes of listening to you go off, <laughs> right? <laughs> Give them a little bit of a long form man so that they can understand and gain perspectives. And, uh, he had dropped your name and, um, I, someone else's in uh Facebook so I was pretty excited. And then I'm like Facebook stalking you, man. And um, like you're getting a graduate degree, right? Halfway through a doctorate or something like that?
1: Yes, I am uh, actually just finished my second semester. I'm going into my third semester. So the the program that I'm in is a doctorate of prevention science at Wilmington University. Okay. And actually it goes through spring, summer, fall. So it's straight. If you don't get summer breaks like um, I'm used to in college. So right. I'm actually in a semester right now, just started. Um, and it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of writing, yeah. a lot of research, um, a lot of analysis and data and all of that stuff uh, that people love.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, I, dude, it's so, so you were also telling me you're a counselor, which is, it, it's funny, man, cause a lot of graduate work at that level is data. Like you're saying crunching numbers, but yeah. at the same time, like, like almost, I understand there's similarities But no one's the same, right? So like there is no same data point to compare something else with in counseling people. Or am I kind of off on that?
1: Um, Not at all. Uh, You're right on point. Uh, I think following theory. um, So if I go to my job, um, we use ecosystemic structural family therapy, ESFT. Jesus. Um, And basically what that is, is it goes in stages. It's uh, about your stages of clinical experience with the family. Meaning stage one, building relationship, um, learning more about the family and kind of having uh, like doing activities, playing games just to build that relationship. And then stage two, that's when you kind of go into it a little bit and you start to uncover the pattern and what's causing oh, there um, the it behaviors is. in the home. And then stage three, then you expect the family. You want them to start kind of modeling what you've been kind of teaching them. Gotcha. Um, and then stage four is like your retreat. That's when you start to back off and watch the family kind of do what you taught them. Um, so you
0: so- nailed it. I'm, I'm sorry. And one thing that does suck about this man is um, just cause we can't see each other where I'm um, talking straight audio. A lot of times um, more so on my part, I'll interject when you kind of say something and I wind up cutting people off. So I don't mean to be rude or anything like that, man. Um, I oh, no, apologize. I get it. <laughs> um, but I, I love what you said about stage two. And that helped me to understand more the, the data. Cause if you are searching for patterns, you want to be comfortable in like analyzing and understanding Data right. and what that is, because that does help you to connect to um previous cases, previous theories. Oh man, you're most likely kind of in this realm.
1: Now yeah. I know how
0: to address you.
1: And yeah, and if I can explain it a little bit more, um, so my job was created because the state was spending too much money on residential facilities and psychiatric facilities for kids who kind of didn't really belong and they could have been worked out in the home with the family. So Mm. they created family-based therapy to go in the home. Um, It's a two person team. I have a partner and we kind of fill out the family's pattern and we kind of communicate to the family that it's just not all on the kid. It doesn't mean (laughs) like, just because the kid behaves this way, it doesn't mean we're just going to come in there and be like, Oh kid, 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 I need you to stop, create all these behavioral interventions and all of that. Um, We work, we do a lot of trauma work with the families individually um, and together. And I mean, it's fantastic. I, I'm loving it. It's definitely a great stepping stone for me, um, early in my career clinically, but yeah, like, um, we do individual sessions, family sessions. We kind of mix it up. Dude, it's, that, it's very interesting.
0: That's gotta be so much more effective seeing people in their home and like even reaching out to them in that spot versus a residential where you eliminate environment and environment has so many triggers so Man, it, that, if everything is fine in like a closed, conduced setting, and then, you know, I, I release you to general population, it doesn't exactly. mean you can apply what I've now taught you. you like, exactly. You, yeah. It's, I, I, I didn't understand why, um, I, I guess I'm a little like, huh, that just to me makes common sense. And I'm surprised that, uh, it took a while for that to like. Be more in practice. I'm how I'm happy and, it is.
1: And if you think about it, I mean, kids struggle, and there's DFS cases, and there's um, something that we call adverse childhood experiences that kids experience in their home. And that's not to d- oh. diminish those at all. Like things do happen gotcha. um, that that kind of makes a kid unsafe. But I mean, removing a kid from his homeostasis,
0: yeah, I and gotcha. putting
1: him in a whole psychiatric um, white walls, padded rooms, talk about straps, trauma and all of that with meds and yeah, I mean. It's a lot. Dude, It'd it, be a lot for an adult to handle, dude, much dude,
0: less a kid. 100%. And you figure, why did the kid get there? Because something had tr- traumaed or triggered them before. So what's our response to you going through trauma? Let me go ahead and add a little more trauma to your life.
1: <laughs> right. And, and I think the hardest part of this job um, is getting the parents to buy in to the relational frame. And when I say that, I mean... Um, It's so hard for parents to accept that they might have played a role in their kids' behaviors. And they might have played a role in the way their kids' lives played out. That guilt. And that is a hard thing for a parent to receive because, you know, the first thought, I'm inadequate. Mm -hmm. I didn't do my job as a parent. And you want to kind of say it in a way that doesn't trigger that feeling for them or else it won't land. And that's very hard because, I mean, they get so defensive and they get so offended. Um, and it makes our job just that much
0: harder, but I enjoy it. Yeah, man. Cause you're like, and it's funny, man, you rattled off those four stages and like in, in my head, you're like, oh cool. So it's a five week process, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you just said it right. Dude, no <laughs> doubt. You Well, you said it right there, man. Cause you got to break down those barriers and create mm-hmm. a vulnerable atmosphere to gain yeah. that trust. And you have no idea how long that's going to take.
1: Right. What parent wants to, have somebody come in their home and tell them how to do their job. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
0: It's hard, dude. But man, that's, I don't know that, that, that's pretty cool that it, it, to me it's pretty cool that you're a guy and you have a master's degree, so you can kind of stand put or you can continue to try to improve and hone your craft, you know, sharpen your sword. And just further your education to be that much more effective, man. Like that, that's pretty awesome to hear that people who are making a difference in communities like that are still trying to better themselves along with better the people that they're um, interacting with.
1: Yeah. And I mean, basically I give a huge shout out to my parents, uh, Dr. Julius Mullen and Natasha Mullen. They basically raised me on the values of how successful are you really if you're not helping somebody? And that really stuck with me for a while because it really doesn't matter how much money you have, how respectable your job is, how high, how high on the totem pole you are. If you're not bringing someone else up, how can you really call yourself successful? And that's kind of the tone that set my whole clinical career and college career um, and kind of inspired me to get in this field, to keep going, um, because um, I do believe people... A lot of people who make it are, we're chosen. And if we are chosen, um, by the man above, then it is our duty or responsibility to help those who has, who have like troubled circumstances.
0: Yeah. Servant leadership type stuff, man.
1: Big time. Yes.
0: Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, man. Good man. Look at that. So who is the, um, doctor in your family?
1: Um, my father. So my father is, uh, he has a doctorate in educational leadership. He is currently the chief clinical officer of children and family first. Um, and he also teaches at Wilmington University. He runs a pilot grassroots uh, mentorship program called Man Up. Um, and my mom, she runs the other side of that. It's called Unique. Um, and she also has her own private practice called Milestones Consultants, and uh, where she does therapy. And she has some, some quite a few people working with her. Um, so just to kind of go into those programs I oh, um, ended at a while ago, um, so Man Up is a mentorship program. It started uh, when I was in it. Uh, it was a mentorship program for high school students who um, were at risk to not graduate. Mm-hmm. And it, it provided help, SAT prep, um, applying for colleges, college visits, of course, academics and grades. And it also had an outlet of athletics to kind of keep the kids interested. You know, you need a little bit of that. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And then uh, my That's mom the ran
1: unique, which was for uh, girls. And basically the same type of thing. But she she had, like, uh, woman empowerment pieces in, in, included, dance, um, also college trips and other trips. And, I mean, the, the outcomes of both programs have been very, 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 very high. The graduation rate and um, the ability to attain either military involvement, uh, college,
0: or um, just a sustainable job. Dude, people uh, underestimate that like crazy with this college push. And kids feel like they're a failure if they're not going to college. Sometimes you're like, bro, if you were able to show up ready to learn and work at school, you're, gonna, you're better than 50% of the population right there, dude. You're, you're going to have right, a career exactly. without even going to college, dude, because you're reliable, you're dependable, you're respectful, and you're working. Like you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And sometimes kids don't get that.
1: So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that segues into something else I kind of want to discuss on here. Um, And it kind of relates to what we talked about before about what can you share that would help somebody that they can see and say, wow, that's me. Right. And I go back to my elementary days, elementary slash middle school days when I was nearly and I think for a couple of weeks or months actually put and special education.
0: Um, oh, so I'm going to I'm a, I'm a pause you just to set the stage right, or just to ask a little um, stage setting questions. So the school you're going to, elementary-wise, are you Seaford at this point, or what's the... So I am at
1: Central Elementary. Um, Sussex actually Central. I was bouncing between Central Elementary, Blades... Um, and I went to the Georgetown Charter School. I don't know if you remember that. It was there for a couple of years.
0: I do. I, I actually, I, that's the one that like shut down in the middle, right? And like stopped yep, paying they teachers. Down, right?
1: they, I remember him being in class. Dude, that, that was
0: freaking, I was getting my um, teaching degree, my bachelor's. And I had considered, I actually think I had a job interview there, man, on like a Friday. Wow. And then I remember seeing an article and it was like, dude, they just put a note on the door, like Ruby Tuesday style.
1: And we're yes. like,
0: sorry, <laughs> right. we're done. And you were like- yeah, I- Yo, and at the same time, SAS is coming up the Sussex Academy of Arts and like we were all petrified to take jobs with these charter schools at the time, man, because they're like, is is education that's not public, like, is it really that fluky?
1: Right. Is it gonna last?
0: Yeah, dude, dude, we <laughs> right. were so scared. I um,
1: remember being there when when 11 happened. Um yeah, it was a sad, sad day. I remember being escorted out. Um, but to kind of go on, uh I was Put in special ed. Uh, my mom is literally the definition of parent parental advocacy because she was in the school. She lived in the school pretty much. Yeah. Um, Did they try to get teachers, you? Fighting off staff members, um, just trying to prove that her son was worth a shot. Yeah. And
0: were they trying to hit um, you with like a learning dis? Like how were they measuring it? Your reading ability or like a behavior thing or what? What was the uh, cause? Yeah, so
1: it was a learning disability, um, but oh, it was dude, a, originally um, ADHD. Of course, uh, but my mom, of course, did her own research, and she also she eventually found out that it was auditory processing disorder, and um, which is a lot, of course a lot different than ADHD. It just means um, I, it's hard. It was hard for me to focus and stay focused in class if I wasn't doing something hands on. Yeah. So well, um, I would get off task a lot, and it would look like um, I was not going to make it.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize too, especially, and this is a huge part of. Um, teaching and the further you, you educate yourself on it you can't just get up there and talk and expect right. kids to pay attention dude you got to have visuals right, right. you, you got to <laughs> change tones it, it's not like you can just go 5 10 minutes especially elementary school it's like maybe exactly. maybe a minute for every year you are old before right. a kid needs a change of state and exactly. so and and the reason i was asking and trying to get perspective on the school you were in because sometimes compared to your peers, teachers can have different expectations and you can stand out a little more. And a lot of kids I'll find get referred to special education because behaviorally they act different, which then leads to behavior problems and teachers saying, Oh, he just is, he's just not picking it up. Exactly. And that exactly. that's kind of what I was wondering. And yeah, man, if you got a teacher that's up there, not like not putting on a show, but putting on a show, figuring it out, dude, that's tough right. for any kid.
1: Exactly. And, and I think, um, Moving on, like through middle school and high school. I mean, I didn't even struggle big time in high school. I barely made it out of high school. I graduated with like a 1.7, 1.8. Oh. And when I think of that, I'm like, <laughs> it was mostly lack of motivation. And when I look at that time in my life, I kind of think of my clients now. And I'm like, whenever I see lack of motivation in one of my clients, I always think, is their interest, the things that they like, the things that they love, being encouraged? Mm-hmm. Who's on their so in their corner? rooting for them, not just with the things they need to do, but the things they want to do. And that kind of segues into um, my life, which I call it basketball. Um, So high school, I played basketball in my life, but in high school that's when I started to get a growth spurt and starting to get a little good. And it wasn't until my senior year where I realized that this might be something that I can stick with for a little while. Um, I was – Starting point guard on a really really good C team. Graduated two thousand eleven. Um, me, um, Andre Allen, Jason Owens, uh, Jeffrey Akins, Ray Sean Church. I mean, we had a nice squad, um, and we actually ended up going sixteen and four that year. Uh, lost the first round in the playoffs. <laughs> Don't want to go into that. Oh, uh,
0: dude! I, but, I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting. I'm underlining that right there. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> afterwards, uh, we kind of. Uh, I graduated high school with a low GPA and
0: well, let me ask you, man. So you had said about lack of motivation affecting the GPA. Um, why with, and again, with, with the kind of parents you have to have that GPA, I'm a little surprised that you were lack of motivated.
1: Right. And I think, yeah, I think it's a lot of things that goes into that. And, And I'm glad you brought that up because it was hard, um, growing up with two, um, highly successful parents uh, because it, it always it almost was like I was always like that strong friend. So I was always expected um, to complete high, high things. And sometimes I, I, I wasn't really wanting to be all that. Like sometimes hmm. I wanted to relax. Sometimes I wanted to <laughs> clown and and like do things that Jawan wanted to do. And unfortunately that led me down the path that um, I shouldn't have been on. But um, I think I had to go through that to kind of get to where I was, to, to where I am today.
0: To value um,
1: it. So kind of talking about that a little bit, uh, I had a decision to make graduating graduate from high school. I mean, I was about to give up basketball and just go to Dell State and be a um, traditional student. Um, but my mom and dad's fight never stopped. I mean, they were contacting people, <laughs> contacting coaches, and I was contacting coaches. And uh, another big shout out, Larry Banks, uh, Delaware Tech Community College. Gave little Juwan Mullin a shot, and he called me up there for a workout, and um, I performed uh, very up to par in the workout, and got invited to the team, and was a part, and actually did really well with Delta. Um, so,
0: so let me ask you, man, and and I, I like how you're kind of like humble bragging. It's okay to brag on yourself a little bit. So <laughs> and. <laughs> I'm actually wondering, when you had said, was it Jawan Walker?
1: Jawan, uh, me?
0: Yeah, when you had mentioned, so I coached basketball at Woodbridge for a little bit, but I was at middle school in Woodbridge, and I know you know they're right next to each other. So I, I thought during high school year, I was just trying to name a couple of kids that might have been graduate, graduating around 2011. And um, we had this one kid, and I thought he moved to Seaford, Jawan, um, and I thought his last name was Walker. I didn't know if he kept balling for you guys.
1: Uh, no, I don't remember it's
0: Juwan Walker. Gotcha. Sorry. Um, that was just but, like a little side thing.
1: Yeah. But uh, our leading scorer was Jason Owens. And when we played Woodbridge, he showed off. So it might be him that you remember. I don't
0: know. Dude, well, <laughs> dude I, I just, I remember being blown away by the, the, the passion that goes on out there, especially at the old Woodbridge high school, the cave. Yes. Oh, dude. Yes. Talk about like the best spot. To just yes. get an intense basketball game, exactly, man. And
1: Woodbridge, we'll I mean, just in general, football, basketball, especially in these past years, I mean, they have a great, great sports community, dude. And it, it shows in the results every year could, could in it, the N-Lopen conference.
0: Dude, it starts from like four years old, man. Like, yeah, like they're on
1: them kids early,
0: dude. Yeah. And then they just know how to play together. It, it's so it, it's it, it's it's awesome to see. It's right. awesome. But I was going to ask about lack of motivation in the classroom. Were, what were you like as a player? Like, reflecting back, were you pushing yourself, going through drills, like, working on stuff? Or are you just kind of, like, free-flowing through games and kind of relying on some, like, more natural abilities to help you out? Mm -hmm.
1: That's a good question. I think half and half. I think it was times where I felt the need um, to kind of step it up a little bit, and um, I did. And then it was times where I didn't see it as a need, but probably should have, where I think I I probably would have been a lot better in high school if— um, I took advantage of those opportunities.
0: Were you but like? yeah,
1: probably, I would say like half and half.
0: Were you like D1 driven back then? Where you were like, I got to play in college? Or are you just trying to like enjoy junior year, senior year, win games, talk trash?
1: Oh, well, yeah. My uh, my dream was always college. Uh, okay. Of course, uh, drunk dream just like every other kid that my dreams were a little too high at one point. Um,
0: <laughs> but
1: my parents kind of let me live it. And they're the type to let you dream however you want to dream. And then when it's time, to really get down, they kind of break it down: like what's actually tangible and what actually can happen. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to go to Duke as a young boy.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> right.
1: As I got older, I'm like, and I don't regret it because it, it drove it drove me to keep playing. Um, but when I got there and it was time to really make that decision, I'm like, okay, I'm looking a little more, more Dell Techish.
0: Yeah, what's that, <laughs> dude? What is that like? Because so many kids, when they're faced with that sort of reality. I don't know if like mentally they're prepared to deal with what that's going to feel like.
1: Yeah. And good point because that's actually one of, sorry, (laughs) actually one of, um, my kind of, I guess, current tense dreams is to reach back and explain to kids who are, or were in my same position, um, in high school and kind of give them a little bit more education on what's, real and what's like stereotype or uh, cultural norms because a lot of people a lot of kids i surrounded myself with growing up i mean if they had to go to dell tech they pretty much was okay just not going to school at all or uh-huh. um they would rather just play in leagues and local leagues and men's leagues and all of that instead of actually building from the ground up and um i think one of my aspirations now is to kind of give not just dell tech but a lot of community colleges um a better viewpoint from our high school athletes.
0: Yeah. Why do you think, is is it just like, they don't want their boys to be calling them bums. Cause they couldn't exactly. go D one. And it's like, man, I just so rather not hear that.
1: What people are going to say. Yeah. Which is and funny.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> Cause a year at a community college, like every year you can kind of like bounce around. Right.
1: Right. And that's kind of what I did. So I did two years at Dell tech first year. Um, Led my team in scoring, but wasn't really a great year team-wise.
0: Gunner. I um, knew you were a gunner. See, I knew it. I <laughs> knew you were a gunner, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then uh, my second year at Dell Tech, great year team-wise, and I actually broke some scoring records um, for my team, and uh, I landed on the top 10 list um, for a couple weeks there in my season um, for scoring in the nation for D2 Um Junior colleges,
0: dude. What are you dropping?
1: Um. So at the beginning of the year, I was averaging like sixteen because we had a full team. I loved our team. Like, and, and, uh, and- we were we beat a nationally ranked Erie up in Buffalo, New York. Won Ooh. their whole tournament. Then we came down and beat some good teams around here. Um, but then halfway through the season, a um, couple guys, academic stuff, oh, um, had to had to get off the team, and our team wasn't as good as it was in the first. So I felt myself having to pick up a little bit and from that point on to the rest of the season, um it was a lot. <laughs> I would say if they had statistics that go from that point to the end of the season, yeah. I haven't actually ever did it myself, but I don't uh, I didn't score under twenty points too many times after that. I think my average was like twenty six, something like that for the rest of the season.
0: Dude, people and and so I coach middle school at Beacon and you know, kids come in talking about I'ma drop twenty, I'm gonna drop twenty. I'll be like, dude, if you can average eight like, yeah, that'd be six. If I could count on right. you for eight points a game. W- w- oh, man, we're golden. And like, it's right. so dude, I don't think people realize in the flow of a game how hard it can be to get 20 points consistently.
1: It is, it's a tr- especially in college. Oh, dude, uh, I can't. A imagine. lot of people think. So college numbers are kind of different because college, I mean, high school, you know, if you're a crowd favorite, if the coach sees you as valuable, he's going to let you gun it. And yeah. that's like kind of how, especially in the open oh, the dude. sports go um in college it's a little different yeah it's a system it's plays other people i mean it's multiple options in the in the play it's not just all about you so most college teams i mean 16 17 18 is probably your leading scorer right um you're not really seeing i mean the spectacular guys you might see 25 26 i mean you look at lasagna williamson i don't he broke 20 um when he played at duke yeah and i mean as spectacular as he is uh, your leading scorer is probably going to be around the late teens range. Um, so I think uh, that's also another misconception often perceived by high school kids and even probably college guys who don't play but just watch.
0: Yeah. And and it, the other thing, too, is the misconception of points being the only way that you can get playing time and have success. Right. And like that, that's something just, and again, dude, I'm a middle school coach. I'm nothing like a legit person, but just going to slam dunk to the beach, talking to other high school coaches and like looking at who they have on the floor and understanding why dude could maybe like, you don't have to put the ball in the hole to never get taken out. Right. <laughs> there's I, so much you can do. And it's part of like the kids almost feeling like I gotta get rich or it's not worth working. It's like, nah, dude, right. there's a whole middle class in there where you can be real successful.
1: Right, exactly. And um so when I was averaging sixteen, I actually liked it a lot better than when I was averaging twenty six because we were winning and right. it, the team morale was up and everybody was friends and I mean it was great. The coach was engaged, he was getting awards and it was all types of stuff going on. <laughs> um but when i was having 26 like yes it felt good to know that i could do that but at the same time it was like nothing to show for it
0: <laughs> right
1: no championship no um team accomplishment that makes you feel like wow like i led my team here
0: yeah well so dude just cuz you're talking basketball you got to you got to give me the the game the move the story cuz i i i know nothing about this but i want like your college highlight in your head where you're like dude th- this was this was peak, Jawan. Okay. so
1: Brag on yourself, man. <laughs> okay. So first, <laughs> I'm going to try. Um, so I have two YouTube clips on uh, YouTube that was made for me. Um, one at Dell Tech and then one at Chaney. So if you just type in my name on YouTube, they'll come up. Okay. Uh, they're highlight tapes. And so just to kind of describe me a little bit. So um, I was a streaky three-point shooter.
0: Oh, um, uh, you're off the rhythm guy, huh? You got to get the yeah, bounce. Yeah. yeah, streaky dudes um, are all off the bounce, man.
1: And right. <laughs> and I um, that's that was my uh, where I excelled, is, and that was going to the basket. Uh, I'm a slasher, um, extremely athletic in my prime. Uh, could dunk it. Uh, very strong, big guard, and I, I just used that to my advantage um, towards going to the basket defensively. Um, very competitive, a leader, um and I just think I was very coachable and a, and a great teammate as well. Right. Which is two traits that I don't think get talked about enough. Oh man, um, <laughs> preach! Being coachable and being a teammate because you can ruin a season for a team really without easy. those two things. <laughs>
0: yeah, real, especially if you're one of the better players, right? Like, right? Like if, if you're not listening to the coach and setting the tone. And it, it it's almost over, man. Like, you're almost guaranteed to go 500 if your best players aren't buying in.
1: Right. And, it, yeah, and that's... I think it needs to be taught more and, and emphasized in coaching and basketball today. Um, but moving on to Chaney. So, my first year at Chaney, uh, hurt my ankle one of the first couple games. Um, played with a Delaware Natives. Um, I'm sure you know him. Kevin Larkin. Uh, Dude,
0: I tried to get... I actually asked Haywood to see if he would come on the pod. Dude, he would freaking like, how is a Cape kid go to tech? Like, I, I don't want to get into it. Yeah, I understand it, it. <laughs> but man, if you freaking put him on those Cape squad, like Cape had an, Cape had a window, dude. Cape yeah, had a window. And I, I remember Larkin at tech being like, this dude is sick. Like sick. And that
1: would have been the same years as Tyree Burton and John Warren.
0: Right? Dude, think on that. The four that and then crazy. Tony Floyd comes in. <laughs> Come on, man.
1: Exactly. Come on, man. Uh, Good God! And anyway, I, but yeah, I played but, oh, with him. Okay. Uh, he definitely was spectacular that year. He got—I think he got re- rookie of the year in our conference. Um, he was—he was doing it, and so that first year, I played more of a point guard role. Uh, averaged nearly ten points and a little over five assists. Um, and that's the role I played uh, on, on that team, and it was a great year, a great learning year for me. Uh, and then it kind of. Led into that next year where um, I led my team in scoring again and um, all conference and um, yeah, just just had a lot of accomplishments. I would say like if we're if we're talking peak, dude, that I, was my I want peak the year, game. I want
0: the me, yeah that mean mugging game where you like hit like yeah. the second three in a row and now all of a sudden this dude's like, man, you ain't nothing, and you're like, I'm about to show you. Do
1: You uh-huh. know what? Like yeah, that's I want. What I seen this guy. Like I would one time we went a nice story. We went to this school called Edinburgh, um, really, really far in PA. Um, so we were away and we accidentally went in their locker room when you're getting <laughs> dressed for a shoot-around. Um, you sure I was an at the board and my name was everywhere. Um, <laughs> it was like, um, this is what Mullen likes to do. Don't let him get downhill. Push him to his uh, right hand. Um, just, just a lot of stuff. And I was like, Wow! Like this is what's going on in other locker rooms. Like I didn't know I was taking it serious. I didn't know, wow. and I'm out there just playing the game that I love. Right. So, it, I mean, it was nice to see, but at the same time, like I had to make sure it didn't go to my head a little bit.
0: <laughs> no, well, wait, did, did so? Are you the dude where like, oh, I can't go right. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm make sure I get ten points going right. So it's
1: a common mis- misconception. I've, it's good that I get to address this on here.
0: I know. Um, I'm not saying you lot can't lot go right
1: because I'm left-handed. That forcing me right is the answer.
0: Oh, dude. Um,
1: So my dad actually made sure that my right hand become my dominant dribbling hand. And it is actually just that. It's my dominant dribbling hand. Actually, my left hand is the hand you would want to send me to, uh, which is so weird, but it's kind of like that LeBron thing. I I think he's like that too, Blair.
0: Yeah, Jordan pointed that out, right? Yeah. He always goes left to set up his jumper.
1: Yeah. Comes back right. Kind of both ways. Um, But yeah, like... My right hand is actually my dominant. That's the way I actually
0: want to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. I wasn't saying it was true. What I'm saying is like, you see that, does it make you want to go out there and actually like say, like whatever, like you, you, you drive, you get on right hand score and all of a sudden you're like, no, right.
1: Okay. Or you're like, so, tell
0: tell your coach, man, Hey man, halftime, go ahead and erase that off the board. Saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are you that yeah. kind of dude? Or are you just like, I can't believe I get this kind of respect. <laughs>
1: So with me, like, and I'm like this just with basketball, period. Like, I do what works. Gotcha. So I'm not, I try to not let what people say or what people think kind of, like, steer me away from what I do because that's when I start playing into their arms and that's when I've had my struggling moments mm. when I tried to play to trash talk or play to what I heard about me in school and gotcha. on campus the day before. Um, that's when I had, like, the games that I struggled in. It was only when I stuck to what I know I can do and what I know I'm good at Right. where like a lot of the like
0: 20 point games came dude that that what you said right there it's if anything could be taken and i don't even know if any like younger kids will listen to it hopefully having people like you on they will mm-hmm. thinking about that like if some dude's like open for a reason you'd be like yep but i can still take it to the whole like right. I, I know <laughs> how to finish instead of buying into it that mental aspect of allowing your body to perform without I don't, the, the, almost like the hindrance of thinking, like just going out there and playing versus like, oh, this is how I do it. It's like, no, I'm just gonna do it.
1: Yeah, and that's like the oldest trick in the book that people still fall for. Yeah. Um, is that, like when they let you shoot. Yeah. A lot of time, and not even it's not all the time because you can't shoot. It's because they're so worried about you driving <laughs> that they'll rather just let you shoot 100%. rather than have to deal with the load they got to deal with when you drive. Yeah. So people that fall into that, I mean, it, it's a strategy that works still to this day because um, you you know when you hit at a man's ego it's yeah. over no dude that's <laughs> so, so true you're like oh you can't shoot you can't shoot even though he's a dominant driver you right. know he's gonna settle and you gotta bring your hands
0: yeah <laughs> I, and then you add a crowd and then you add peers right and the exactly. pressure and then all of a sudden lord help you if you miss that first one right because then now yeah. you're in your head and you're like flicking your rotation a different way or what, whatever yeah. like you know i mean it's it, it's amazing to me the the mental aspect of basketball that can be so easily overlooked and the psychology of it, dude, it's like the perfect place to just analyze personalities and who is what kind of person. It's always fascinated me.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if you know too much about Cheney, but it's it's basically a Philly school. (laughs) Okay. All Philly students, pretty much. Um, You got some New Yorkers, some New Jersey and um, different parts, but I mean, solely that school is Philly. So if you know anything about Philly fans, it doesn't stop even at the college level. I mean, they would give, If I have a gap, bad game, they would give me hell the next day on campus. Um, and they would try to scare me to play a certain way, shoot this shot, do this thing. And I'm like, they don't even know me. So uh, why would I even listen to them um, with basketball advice?
0: <laughs> Man, that but it was tough. Dude, that's awesome. So two years, Dell Tech. A year at Cheney where you... Are, are you sure it was an accident that you went into the wrong locker room? Was your coach trying to motivate you? Was your coach smart like that? When you go um, when you go into the l- wrong locker room? Or no? So
1: it sounds like something he would do, but I don't think he did it on that case. <laughs> okay. Because he does. I mean, he, he is that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, actually I did two years at Cheney. Oh, no way. My first year was when I played with Kevin Larkin, and then the second year was my senior year.
0: Second year all-conference, <clears throat> man. Dude, yeah, I- so... Ch-
1: and actually another story that I actually left out a while ago is, and this is kind of speaks to like, um, what could possibly help somebody else. So after my two years at Dell tech, um, because I was still struggling GPA wise and, oh. um, didn't graduate yet in those two years, I actually had to come back home. I call it the crib university. <laughs> I had to come back home and go one more year at Dell tech to graduate. And let me tell you this, that was the most hurtful time of my life because, like I told you, my second year at Dell Tech, I was breaking records, scoring, and my name was out there. And I mean, I, there's there's actual tapes on YouTube where I did workouts at Morehouse, Elizabeth City State University, Slippery Rock, Goldie Beacom, Wilmington University, uh. um, all those schools was on it. And to hear the big no at the end, and it be not because of my game, was very hurtful. So I actually had to come home um, and go to Dell Tech one more year and graduate. And once I graduated, of course, all of those schools, uh, I'm, a, I'm a junior now and all of that. They didn't really want parts anymore. So uh, Cheney, thank, thank God for Coach Stevens. Uh, he gave me a chance. And um, I went to Cheney for two years after that.
0: Dude, so, so I got to ask, man, because if you're, if you're doing that well in high school where you kind of have some options and the GPA thing is holding you back, how are you falling back into that cycle at Dell Tech? How is it not right. corrected itself? Do you know what I'm saying? What was holding you back from like being six? Cause clearly you're educated, dude. Like you're, you're getting a freaking doctorate, right? Like, so right. it wasn't like a, Oh, poor Jawan. He just doesn't know how to read. And Oh, he really struggles with multiplying. Like, nah, man, you're educated. Right. So that that's why it's a little weird to me.
1: I was just still in my high school ways. I got to college, got all this freedom and I just got, like I got the big eyes and I'm like, wow. Like, and I kind of lost sight of what I was there for. Oh. Um, and um, it just continued, continued. And it wasn't until that one year. And it's crazy because that's why I say, when you, if you ever need motivation from someone, encourage their interest. Because when I got sent home, basically to go, to do that one more year at Dell Tech, that is when um, you've never seen a bad TPA from me again. <laughs> um, I got deans and professors, deans and uh, presidents list those next two semesters um so and it wasn't if it wasn't for basketball being my motivation i just don't think um it would have turned out the same so that's where my life turned around that one year i had to do a dell tech because at cheney i had excellent grades as well
0: yeah so you always kind of had like the study skills or the organizational skills you just weren't applying them yep god what man dude i bet you you're you're poor how much gray hair does your poor mother have you must have been oh, driving wow. her
1: nuts. If I let her speak to that.
0: <laughs> looking at looking at this kid with all this potential. Dude, I can't imagine.
1: Oh, man. My mother. Um, God bless you, ma'am. I mean, from her fights in elementary and middle school, all the way to me failing ninth grade English. Oh, and Lord. not being able to take Jarvis Ed in 10th grade with all my friends.
0: Oh, Lord. So she
1: paid $500 so I could take it over the summer just so I won't be left behind. And then... We get. I get in college. I mean, she's fighting, fighting, fighting my TPA. She took my game system, my TV. I mean, at one point, I had an empty room, and I still got a one-point-whatever on the next uh, report card. She was like <laughs> at her wit's him with me, but she trusted the process. And then I got in college, and uh, first semester in college, I failed um, actually human sexuality. Oh, and Lord. Because I failed that, they were threatening <laughs> to have me off the team there. So wow. we had to do a winterum. And if anybody doesn't know what winterum is, it's um, a semester during Christmas break, pretty much. Yeah, dude, it's, it's condensed. It's only the kids who need to make up, make up a class. Right. So we had to finish a, a 16-week nutrition class during a winterum sem- semester. And she basically did the class with me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Western Oklahoma that, but <laughs> she basically did the, the class with me and kept me on the court
0: good lord man (laughs) bless that woman like but so at the same time it it just it speaks to when parents believe in their kids the depths they will go to just be like boy i don't know when you're gonna get it but i'm gonna be damn sure you get it you know exactly like they they just dude they just go all out it's it's wonderful to hear and it's great to laugh at now that you're being successful but i would not Mm -hmm. have wanted to like come across her during the process.
1: Exactly. She, um, <laughs> she reached uh, like some of her darkest days dealing with me and my brother with grades.
0: <laughs> oh, Yeah. It was, it was a fight. Man. I like, yeah. And that's something when you're, and I've always struggled with this too. And I wonder if like how similar was, cause you said you kind of were acting the same way you were in high school and college, those early years, how similar are like the requirements and the grind and the, Show up, partake in class, ask questions, take notes, stay focused like, kind of a thing. If anybody actually listens to uh to compare it, so that they know, oh man, junior year it actually is kind of the same. If I just act right, if I just play the role of a student, I'll be fine.
1: Mm -hmm. Or
0: am I almost oversimplifying that?
1: So, the similarity between what high school and college,
0: yeah, because I feel honestly, dude, like a lot of times if you just have the right like work ethic in a classroom it, it, it applies regardless
1: that's all it is <laughs> that's right. all it is and that's something my mom and dad and tried to instill in me since i was little they always said it's not about how smart you are it's about how determined you are mm. and i didn't unfortunately it took me forever to actually understand and believe that but um it's actually really different um college is could be very dangerous and detrimental to a individual um Because that push you have from your parents, that push you have from teachers, I mean, teachers staying out there and all of that, it reduces a lot in uh, college. Right. The whole parental part pretty much goes away. Uh, But a teacher, even teachers staying out the school and being more flexible and accepting you being late to class and all of that. Yeah. That reduces a lot. Like, it's a kind of black and white when you get in college. And it's 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 really dangerous. Like, if you don't take it serious and if you don't... um, have that motivation and uh, ability to stay organized and kind of self-regulate.
0: Right. Oh, that's you a great fall
1: below the wayside.
0: Dude, you Wait. said it right there, self-regulate. And it yeah. almost, it almost, and now just almost going philosophical, It, I understand public schools want to give children multiple opportunities. I, I don't know if I, the, the more I read and research on it, I don't know if failing a kid is the best remedy for a child that's struggling. Right. right. Like you don't want a 16 year old in eighth grade. Cause he just refuses to do work like that does exactly. nobody any good. But at the same time, like I'm kind of curious because sometimes kids will not get it. that be like,
1: dude,
0: this is not normal that I accept a paper three weeks late and you still get to right. pass this class or that I'll sit here and I'm giving up my lunch to allow you to complete an assignment. And like, that's where like that, um, I don't know the ebb and flow, or like where where do you draw that black and white line in a in a public high school to actually prepare these kids for more real world consequences? Like it's something I've always struggled with.
1: I think that's a great point um, because I, I still say to this day, the teachers that you just explained that stay after and do those types of things. I mean, some of those teachers saved my life, um, but at the same time, um, the, the more you give a teen crutches the more they're going to use them and the more they're going to go into the next level thinking they still have them and i think that's a great point because college it stops you might have a few teachers who might uh give you some extension on deadlines they might stay after and give you some tutoring or refer you to the tutoring center but majority i would say you got to figure it out you're a adult now like it's it's the big guy's world
0: yeah. I've, I've, I've always, c- cause you, what you hope is you hope while you're, while the kids around you, you're able to speak to them and then they can like hear your words and like you're imparting wisdom. Like that's how most teachers feel, right? Like, Oh, I got a relationship so I can impart wisdom. But honestly, the kid, it like not, not to downplay the relational aspect, but the kid's just trying to like be a kid, man. Like most kids exactly. ain't trying to hear that from people. So as much as you, the more you talk at kids, the less they hear. Exactly. And like, it's really something that, like, just being in public schools now and teaching at Woodbridge and now teaching at Beacon, I student taught at Milford. So I have like this little triangle of different Sussex County pockets. And now seeing kids who you see in elementary school go through and graduate, now you get to hear about what their lives are like. You're like, I don't know if you're helped by us taking late work or working so hard to keep you eligible. I felt like it almost entitled you to a point where maybe like what you said, maybe you needed to fail off the squad in eighth grade and miss your eighth grade year of being the man in middle school so that you took high school seriously.
1: Right. You That's know? a good point. And I think I like the best basketball um, comparison because it relates. And I mean, how much do you hear these days that high school uh, coaches have favorites and their favorite players or the best players get away with a lot more than – the players who are just on the team, right? And how much does that hurt them when they get into a on a college team? Because just like I, I explained about the college teachers and how they're less flexible and all of that, it is that times ten for college coaches. Dude. they do not care who you are. You are replaceable, especially if they're spending money on you. If they're giving you scholarship. You cannot be late to practice. You cannot um, not try hard with sprints. You cannot have an attitude and and have uh, have a lash out in practice and. Curse the coach out. You will be off that team and back to, again, the crib university. Uh, um, I love <laughs> Because dude, they don't play that
0: at all. So that's something I've tried. And so for me at Beacon, so again, coming from Woodbridge, dude, you got four, five, six, seven, eight, ten studs. Like the little sixth graders at Woodbridge felt like they could go out to eighth graders at Woodbridge. Right? right? Like they don't know no different.
1: Right.
0: You come to Beacon and we got, clearly, you got your alpha. You might, have a little bit of an omega or a beta, <laughs> but the drop off between them, like that next level, you're like you think role players, like you'd love to have three more role players because you'd be successful. Right. So those kids get this weird sense of like ego. And I'm constantly trying to tell them, like, dude, if you continue with these behaviors, you don't understand. These college coaches are making real good money and they're not trying to get fired dealing with your dumb ass. And now right. all of a sudden, like what they got to move their family right? right like like they're not trying to be an assistant coach so man when they pick you you are not special you are given an opportunity exactly and and I don't and it's hard cuz again you are whatever like kids are 12 13 14 like it's hard for them to get that but if you could speak cuz you've gone through I'm going to assume you've met a lot of college coaches going Dell Tech route and then going Chaney and stuff like that
1: yeah dude
0: yeah man talk a little bit more about like the personal relationship that helps you to impress a coach, like almost like how could you put yourself in the best position to impress a college coach or give yourself opportunities with them?
1: Um, Humility, Um, coming in intellectually curious and coming in with a learning mindset and not coming in. Like you already have it all figured out. Um, Even the best of the best have flaws, they have improvements that need to be made One of the biggest college turnoffs that I've seen um, from college coaches is when they have a kid who comes in and expects that starting spot, you know, and expects that star role to get the ball all the time. And when you, I mean, in preseason workouts, we have open gym, our preseason workouts were crazy. I mean, two miles, um, two miles every morning, Monday through Friday, Mm. from from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. before classes. And then um, and I'm the a, I'm gonna we'll
0: So I, I gotta ask you about this two mile workout, right? Like, because most basketball dudes, if they run track, they're not going 1600, right? They may be on the four by four at the most, right. <laughs> but, right? But like these dudes are not trying to put in eight laps around a track at like almost that sprinter's pace. That that was that a shock to you
1: or like? Yes, because I hate running around the track, right? Whenever I run, <laughs> I like running through a neighborhood or like. Through some type of uh, naturalistic environment, uh, I do not just like running in circles. It's, and it was really hard for me because it was time. Right. It did not let you slack. Like, it was time. Yeah.
0: Like, right. If you didn't
1: make that time, that might affect how much you got to do the next day. Yeah,
0: dude. Um, that That's something I don't think kids realize. Like, because coaches will try to take them to tracks and they're like, man, I'll do a 100 for you. Like, I'll do a sprint, right? Right. But I'm not trying to go four, eight laps around this thing and keep a whatever minute 30 pace per lap. Like, they're not trying to hear that.
1: Okay. And, I, and to be honest, like, I think it kind of relates to what you said because if there there are bad personality traits there, if there is a sense of entitlement there, those preseason workouts are going to bring it out. <laughs> and then it's going to show the true colors because it is frustrating that alarm – every time that alarm clock went off, having to walk outside in a hoodie, it's still halfway dark.
0: Yeah.
1: and. If coach has his timer, I mean, I still get trauma from visualizing walking to that track and seeing coach already on the bleachers with his timer in his hand. Like, it was crazy, but it was all worth it because I think it made me a better man. Well,
0: it's just personal discipline and responsibility, right? Like, you, it it, be the fool that goes out the night before, doesn't get the right amount of sleep, and then got to perform. Right. Like, go ahead and be that guy and then go ahead and give up your spot because you're that guy too often.
1: Right. And it, and that's why I relate basketball so much to school, because it does like I mean, it's the same thing waking uh stand up late and, you know, you have that big test in the morning. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then you you end up oversleeping and having to ask your teacher for an extension. You look crazy um, emailing something like that when you knew about the test months ago. And like, it's even worse than basketball because there's no tolerance. It's a privilege. Like you paid. To, to, to be in school you didn't pay to be on the basketball team right that's the privilege that's a so good point you have to act like it's that and if you're partying all night let coach find out you partied all night and you didn't make it to uh preseason training in the morning yeah oh man yeah <laughs> you so, might be you might be done for the whole week
0: dude that's and that's funny because a lot of kids especially if they don't play a sport um so basketball you know winter sports so you got fall season so if you're not playing football soccer whatever um, and a high school coach does like open gyms 2-3 days a week. You I'm assuming it would be in your best interest to get used to like early morning or at least at the worst after school workouts regularly to make sure you're just used to that training element cuz that has to separate you at a college level, right?
1: Exactly. And yeah, like because um where I where I've kind of noticed that is um a lot of players who go home in the summer and act like they're not on a basketball team, a college basketball team. Huh? So they're eating crazy. They're not active. They're playing video games. They're hanging out with friends, childhood friends they had. They're happy to be home, doing all the wrong things. And then when it's time for preseason workout, it's just so much harder for them to get back on track. So you almost have to keep yourself in year-round shape, even when it's you're out of season. right? Because after basketball season, I mean, it's a lot, it's not a lot of requirements in the spring. Um, in terms of basketball, that's pretty much recreation time. Right. But you have to make sure you're still putting that time in the weight room, putting in that time in the gym, uh, to make sure not only do you come back and survive, but you're better than you were last year.
0: Yeah. If you're trying to get more of a role, right. Because there's another whole group of kids that were you in high school coming up behind you now in college.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Man, it's funny. Cause like I always go with the puberty test, right? Like, especially middle school, but like It's so easy when kids think like, oh man, I can do that. And you're like, dude, if you ain't got hair, you ain't going to get there. Like some dudes, (laughs) some dudes, sometimes like just physical strength matters. But a lot of times when you get to college, especially at these community colleges where you're cycling in, that gap is so much closed compared to your senior year to a, like if you're a senior in high school at 18, you might have sophomores on your squad that are 15. Right, you know, exactly. and like, dude, you can just do whatever you want with those fools because they're already nervous and awkward anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. but
0: kids coming to college, like, it's a different kind of guy you're competing against.
1: Yep, and when you get in college, it levels the playing field. It's no longer, no matter how good you were in high school, no matter what you did, where you from. Um, when you get in college, it is like, wow. I mean, I remember some of the things I joke about with my friends all the time is every single season coming in nobody knew who the starting five was going to be
0: in college Pre-
1: In preseason wow. nobody knew and the coaches loved it that way right everyone competed at a high level i mean it was some of the best open gyms i've ever ha- been a part of and it was just so competitive of course um i ended up starting uh every college year i played thank god but i mean just having that sense of unknown i think drove me to another level and i don't even know if i would have gotten to the level I did my senior year at Cheney or my second year at Dell tech. Um, if I didn't have that, am I going to start? Am I not feeling in my head?
0: Yeah. And dude, that again, that, it kind of goes back to what you had said. And it's funny. You led when I said, what would, what's one way to impress a college coach coach? And you, you led with humility and that, that translates to open gym right there. Cause you're not going in there thinking, man, this is my spot. This dude ain't taking it. You're like, yo, I got to work for it. I, I got to make sure I earn this. I got to make sure people see that I'm that guy. And that's, yeah. th- that's, and again, this is why you're, man, I feel so sorry for your mother. Cause she knew it was in you, Jawan, And
1: right. you just
0: weren't <laughs> applying it. God, that poor woman. Oh yeah, my took God. Forever
1: to apply. And don't get <laughs> me wrong. I mean, my dad played a huge part as well. Yeah, um, I should, I know. He just had more of like a, my dad's mindset was, um, kind of, he's going to learn from his mistakes. Oh, okay. And, Eventually I did. So his method worked as well. Right. But my mom kind of they they kinda of balanced it because my mom was like, even though he's gonna learn from his mistakes, yeah, I'm that protective factor. I'm going to make sure he doesn't encounter those mistakes.
0: Yeah, and that I guess I, that is I'm not trying to slight your dad, but that's definitely why like you just know how moms are. Like they're called right. mama bears for a reason. They just worry over their kids. Like exactly relentlessly. So I don't know. Like you're, again, you're seeing that potential and like, it just, you could see it driving her nuts where your dad was basically like you, like he knows you're a knucklehead, whatever. He'll grow out of it. Like I'm successful. He got support. He knows what's right. He'll get there. You know, exactly. like I feel like dads are way more confident cause they've been kids. They've been boys. They know that we're idiots. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and we just, we're hard heads and we do not get it off the first, second, third, fourth, fifth try.
0: Dude, that's so true. Um, <laughs> Can so but I want to stay on the college coaches a little bit because I like the preseason workout stuff. Can you talk to a little bit about relationally? And honestly, dude, this is kind of funny because I literally had no idea that you're a four-year starter in a couple different colleges for basketball. Like I know yeah. I literally had no idea. And it goes to my maybe Haywood might have mentioned it and I just can't keep up with all of his like sports talk when he just keeps rattling off all the names. But when you're meeting a college coach, how are you feeling? Like, what's your strategy? What, are, what do you think they're looking for? Like, first impressions during, like, those conversations when you're, whatever, shaking hands, locking eyes kind
1: of a thing. Um, so, first of all, I'm going to say, Haywood's a hater. <laughs> 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 um, so, first of all, he's going to kill me for that. But True work. We he have a great, great relationship. We always debate about basketball especially Michael Jordan and LeBron. Oh, Lord. But uh, he's going to (laughs) kill me for that. But uh, as far as, like, first impression for Kyle's coaches, um, so definitely that coachable tactic, definitely that teammate tactic, um, and what, like, what mindset are you coming coming in with? Are you humble? Are you coming in entitled? But, of course, they're looking at a lot of things that, that even doesn't even have to do with your physical presence and that is your academics um if you're transferring how many credits you got how many credits gonna bring come in can we get you eligible with the NCAA um they're looking at if you're coming in from high school your grades what's your SAT looking like um are you or can we get you eligible here at this level I mean that kind of stuff happens before they can even consider um you signing any solid scholarship or um I mean you can go on visits without them knowing that stuff, but once they know that stuff, I mean and like I said, I mean it goes back to when I was going on all those visits from Morehouse and down in Atlanta, Georgia, um, all the way up to Slippery Rock and upstate PA. Um, all these colleges in the CIAA, the PSAT, um, meeting these coaches and feeling like I was on top of the world.
0: Right. especially I was gonna have to choose
1: which one I like better. Dude,
0: hundred percent. Until
1: until they saw the stuff that has nothing to do with my physical presence, um, my grades, my credits. And they were like, hold on. We have a guy who plays just as good or better than him who has good grades. And, and we can bring him on today and sign him a scholarship today and have no worry about him academically. Yeah, And they weren't willing to take that risk with, risk with me. And that, I don't think they should have. Me as a coach, I wouldn't have did it either.
0: Yeah. Uh, And again, that just goes to the real life aspect of why would they take a risk on you? And all of a sudden you flame out and now they're stuck with what? Right. Right. But I'm, I'm almost, I'm so curious too on like, cause if you're speaking with all these different coaches, first time you're meeting them, how are they questioning you to find out what kind of person you are? Do, Do you understand? Like to understand, like find out, okay, is this dude a humble kid? Is this dude have like unrealistic expectations? Did, was it like job interview kind of questioning, or was it more like casual, formal, let's grab some food, let's walk around, let's just talk, feel you out kind of a thing?
1: Okay, so when I was visiting colleges, um, it was kind of casual. Uh, I think they kind of wanted me to come there a little bit. So they were making the experience as sporty, casual as they could while also being curious towards who I was. And some of those questions, um, as you asked, um, are like if I was to question your previous coach your last coach what would they say about you mm. if i was to talk to talk to a couple of your teammates that weren't your friends what would they say about you Ooh. Uh, and i think it's huge because even if you try to talk yourself up they don't have to ask your teammates they don't have to ask your coach they can tell by your response whether it's truthful or whether it's something they want to go with And I think that it's actually a really good question. Uh, Yeah. And they do, they do ask what type of student you are. Um, They do ask. um, Like they, I I had some coaches say, rate your, rate your discipline on a a scale of one to 10. Oh, Uh, how disciplined are you? How willing are you are to do whatever it takes uh, for the team or for the program? Um, And uh, just personal questions. How your how's How's your family? And, uh, how was you like? What were you raised on, value wise, and what morals do you have? What do you stand for? And I think all of those questions kind of gave them a good sense of who Jawan was as a person.
0: And so I've had and shout out, Coach Dave Caputo, um, Dell State women's basketball coach. I think he was, dude. I shot this man, and I, like again, I'm just sitting sitting at home trying to start a podcast. I'm just hitting any and everyone up on Twitter, and my man was like, "Sure, I'll come on your podcast," and I'm like what the fuck do I do? Like this dude's like a legit coach, right? Like he's a D1 coach. Oh my God. Dude gave me like an hour, hour and a half. And he was talking about recruiting. And just to build on what you said, he, it was interesting to me that he said, kids are so, kids are so unused to conversating. Not to just answer a question with one sentence, but to actually listen to understand that, oh man, when they ask me what other people would say about me, I just can't say like, Oh, they like me right? and leave it at that. Like you got to sell yourself. You got to look at someone you, you, you need to communicate. And he, he was huge. Cause he took that as, if we can't communicate now, how will we communicate when things are rough, when there's a challenge?
1: Yeah. and I mean, I, mean, I think you bring up a lot of great points. Um, and I think a lot of coaches that I've experienced, um, like I said, they try to make it real casual, real sporty. Not just because they wanted me to come there, but because they wanted me to feel comfortable too. Like yeah. they didn't want me to feel like it was job interviewish, right? Um, and that I had to be so well spoken, professional, uh, because there's a lot of people I think we both can agree that can put on a nice, great, good mask uh, with their words and not really about it when it's kind of time to lace up.
0: Oh, dude, you're talking uh, to one right now. You're you're speaking to one right now, Jawan. That's me. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want that smoke,
1: (laughs) (laughs) buddy. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think a mixture, like uh, making me feel comfortable, but making sure their their investment is going to be worthwhile.
0: And dude, that's are you okay with that? Because it's with with the college so the NCA now players being able to like go off their likeness and whatnot. Right. And not saying you're, I don't know if you would have been able to get endorsement deals while you were in college, but I'm mm-hmm. real interested in, you've mentioned it a couple of times, like they're spending money on you. You're an investment for them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an interesting perspective compared to like this. And maybe it's just cause I'm like hearing stuff on like whatever ESPN from like top, top, like, NBA lottery picks, top five, mm-hmm. like five-star recruits where they're branding themselves. But mm-hmm. it, it, at the same time, it's refreshing to hear like you have perspective on, it. this is an investment. I am being giving something for my services. So and I think
1: no matter how good you are, even if you are a lottery pick, you should come in to any organization or any program that you're about to be a part of humble i mean even if you are the rj barrett's and the zion williamson's of the on like and it seems like zion was that way i mean you come in this is a privilege i get to play for coach k i get to play for duke right uh of course it's on a much higher level like it doesn't mean settle but once like he signed that letter at duke i mean he said no a lot of guys that came here before me are nba greats i mean this is a privilege this is something that i should be honored to to be in like he could have easily, based off the love he was getting, the fame he was getting, um, came in there with a different mindset and right. probably wouldn't have been as successful with Coach K. Uh, because, I mean, if you, if you know anything about Coach K, he makes the greats humble. I mean, when he coaches USA with KD, LeBron, and all of them on the same team, LeBron still says to this day that Coach K made him feel like he was regular.
0: Dude, dude, and uh-huh. it, t- talk about haters, man. And when like whatever, I'm talking to people and they want to like piss on Coach K and like, oh, now all of a sudden he's a one and done recruit, blah blah blah. You hear to dudes that have played for him the reverence that they speak to, that they speak of about him. That's all I need to hear, right? To be like, nah, dude, he's legit. Whatever he's doing, even if he doesn't ever go to a practice, because all of his assistants do everything in practice. If he's only a game day coach, whatever he is doing. He's doing it right because all these dudes are so all in on whatever philosophy behind the scenes he is imparting on them.
1: Yes. And if I could elaborate and uh, and piggyback on what you said about Coach K, um, I think the hate he receives for switching his style, it's really more people being afraid of change. Right. And people hate change. It's uncomfortable. It affects stability. It affects organization. So people hate change, but I mean to be honest, if you don't adapt, you're gonna fall under. What? And think about what would life just in general outside of basketball, what would our lives be like if some of these inventors and some of the, the guys who created some of the best things that we get to enjoy today, Dude, if they didn't have that, we need change mindset,
0: right? Like I mean, you still have a where flip... would we be? <laughs> you, you you still have a flip phone, right? And listen to cassette tapes.
1: Right, exactly. No,
0: because because you aren't like, dude. Cassettes are the best. CDs are stupid. They skip all the time. You're an idiot.
1: Blockbuster will still exist, right? You still be getting VCR tapes.
0: <laughs> Shout out to Seaford Blockbuster. I think that was the last one in Delaware that was holding on, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like that. That's what I don't get. And like, what's wrong with being amiable and being open to information and saying, "Oh, wow, you know, I can see this isn't working out." And if I want to be competitive and great. I need to shift, and it's better. Like it's a better thing. Like I've never understood that. Like you, you gotta be like steadfast in philosophies. Right. It's it's been that, dude. That's a great point. That's always been odd to me.
1: And just think about how different Phil Jackson's triangle with the Bulls looked when he had to do it with the Lakers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he had to
1: adapt. He had to change. He had to like alter his ways, and it worked again. Yeah, uh, the, the strongest survive. is the survival of the fittest. As your environment changes, you have to adapt, or you will fall under.
0: Yeah, and that's what people underestimate is the environment. They wanna, they wanna freeze frame it. They wanna take a Polaroid. Like, right? Aren't you glad we still take Polaroids? Because they'd be exactly. so fun to upload. <laughs> but like, y- you wanna act like a Polaroid didn't have a background or an environment around it, and you wanna capture that moment and think it was isolated. There were m- hundreds of factors involved exactly. in that one thing that you got to consider, um, to, in order to understand what was the best choice.
1: Yep. Yeah. And thinking about, I mean, just what we're going through right now. Oh, the dude, coronavirus. I about,
0: yeah. Dude, I was about to say it like ventilators. Didn't know how to re-
1: adapt, I mean, we would really be struggling even more than we already are right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you got to be fluid with it, man. Right. Like, I mean, that's just, it's to me, that's always been common sense. And I feel like coach K gets a lot of that hate, and people hate winners, right? They, they love you till you win enough for them to hate you. And then all this is Belichick, every, like all the successful people. But at the same time, and I don't know, man, but at the same time, Coach K is the only one. I don't think my man's caught a case yet, right? Right. Like they tried with the Zion agent, but there was a bunch of spiteful stuff because Zion kind of like shaded him at the end. And could you imagine being Zion's agent thinking you're going to cash in and then he mm-hmm. drops you? Of course you're right. going to be
1: angry. And and think about how many a how many jobs and contracts you're not gonna get now.
0: <laughs> oh Jesus, dude. That that ten percent, right? Like you're just salivating over the ten percent of him doing like a sports drink and then McDonald's and then the right. shoes and then and you're you're already cashing those checks, man. You got your third and fourth house picked out. And then Zion's exactly. like, you know what, Coach K, put me on to a better agent. See you, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Dude, so we're talking about next level. Did you go semi pro and stuff like that? Or is that so, worse than asking about that uh sixteen to four first round loss in Seaford?
1: Oh <laughs> so uh, after my second year at Taney, my senior year, um had a couple contracts in place. my um, guy Joe McLean and uh another uh agent that I had set up um had some contracts for me to go overseas. Um I had a kid Oh, I was in college my senior year. Uh, my daughter, beautiful daughter, she's four years old, going on five this year. Oh, actually four years old, going on 30 this year. Dude, I've been but, saying um, the same thing my
0: whole life. <laughs> isn't it weird like that with girls?
1: Yeah, God. right. God, God. Um, and I just couldn't find it in me to leave her. So I see I see a lot of my friends. Um, Kendall Williams, he's one of my great friends. Uh, he's showing me that it can be done now. Um, but at that time, uh, I just couldn't find an enemy to leave her. So I came home and that's when I started my master's. I mean, my daughter changed my life. I, she was the reason why I bought a better riding car. <laughs> uh, got, apart- got my first apartment by myself and got a good job and went for my master's. I moved my life right to where she was living in Dover. So like, I mean, I surrounded my life around her uh, when that happened and I kind of pushed basketball aside for a little bit. Um, now, what I will say is, when I was in my second year of my master's, I did join um, in honors to be a part of the Delaware Eastern Shore Generals. Ran by shout out Jonathan Dukes and Andre Matthews. Um, they ran us. ran a program, a great program, with players like I know you know Kyle White, Kurt Chandler, uh, myself, Andre Allen, Kenny uh, Wilson, Stefan Dukes. I mean, the team was loaded, um, and we won the APBL. Championship, our first year in competition, uh, so it was a huge, huge accomplishment. Uh, we were so grateful and, and happy for it, and so that was my the brink of my semi pro experience. Uh, but pro, as far as overseas and all of that, um, unfortunately, but fortunately, my daughter put a stop to that.
0: Got you, got man. Um, I I kind of want to go. So Jonathan Dukes. <laughs> Uh, why am I messing the name up? Who's the dude that's coaching in Milford right now with TT? That's Jerron, right? Oh,
1: so that's, his name is Jawan civils And uh, actually,
0: my cousin, no, 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 not, not, there's a third one. I know Jawan civils Cause Jerron. Jaron, that's who I'm thinking. J Dukes. So what's also the
1: cousin? Yep. <laughs> okay,
0: no, dude. So I coached J at Eagle's nest in like third grade.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> dude. I
0: love that guy. Love that guy.
1: Yeah. God, <laughs> I'm, yeah, they, he has a great family. Shout out to all the stuff they do in the community. But yeah, the Dukes family has been around for a while, and uh, we really appreciate everything they do. But yeah, that was his dad that ran the program. J-Ron oh. was on the team as well. Oh, what? And it's funny.
0: Hey, all, all I'm going to say is it's funny you mentioned his name.
1: Yeah, <laughs> t was on the team as well. <laughs> but yeah, those are all my guys, my cousins. We all grew up in the sandbox together.
0: Dude, like I've, I've you, yeah, you talk about just spending time community with those kids and giving kids opportunities to be around. And so this is something, and I don't know if it's a stupid side note, but I've always struggled with, like, I, I have a huge heart for the kids and trying to create an environment. But again, I'm a white guy, right? I'm ten. I never played high school ball. I grew up poor, right? Like I was working to make money and something, it, it, it just hits a kid different when you see people who look like you being successful, it inspires you, right? It empowers you. And, and, and it, it's next level. What those guys are trying to do over there and how those kids respond to them, man. Like that's how you can tell again, just like how people talk about coach K the way kids respond to those dudes. You're like, man, they get it. And and they're just doing it. They're doing great things in a local community.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and I just think th- that's one of my main reasons why I'm very, very appreciative um, that I went to HBCU um, for my undergrad and for my grad, because, I mean, nothing against PWIs, but it was just always an extra motivation for me to see uh, people, like you said, who look like me doing well and in a positive light. Um, when, I mean, growing up in Seaver, Delaware, I was so used to seeing right. the opposite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's the worst. We battle at Woodbridge all the time, man. Um, I remember we had a – I got into a kind of a heated debate about the ISS teacher. So if you look at all the teachers in the school, at, and it might have been at the time, I don't know how many black male teachers there were. I want to say there were none, and I won't give the year in case I'm messing up. But the only teacher was the ISS teacher, and he was right. a black male. And it's right. like, dude almost got pigeonholed in there. Because he was like, no, you're the black male. You can be like what you you can be this guy, this this mentor. And it's like, well, if he's gonna be the disciplinarian, it's very hard for him to also be the mentor because now you're asking him to wear two different hats, and it seems so unfair to me. And I used to like talk to people about that, and I never really got like a solid answer as to like, dude, you you're in Western Sussex. There's all sorts of people like like you, man, who athletically can go to college academically when they get their stuff together can graduate college. Why are they not getting hired as teachers? Why are we not replenishing the pool with people who know the community to help the next generation? It always blew yeah. my mind, man.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, one area I can say is doing a great job of that um, is Capital school district. They are oh, really, I'm, I'm up here in Dover and they are doing a great job getting former athletes and respectable names around the community. Uh, familiar faces back in those schools, uh, whether it's, like you said, ISS teachers or whether it's uh, just paraprofessionals or right. teaching assistants and whatever, however they could get them. But I do agree it's a huge impact when some of those same guys who had those stories and similar backgrounds come back into the school and mentor.
0: Yeah, well, not only mentor, man. And see, like that that's something that still kind of bothers me now is like, I wish there was more incentive and help to take the paraprofessionals and like quit making them look throughout the day. Like you're a side piece. No, you're, you're the main, right. like, like put your right. name on the door. People are coming in to learn from you. You're not coming in to support and enforce. And I feel like a lot of African-American males get put in these enforcement roles in schools. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bothers me. And I, I I don't know how to help that, whether it would be like, scholarships, grants to help them get like whatever the last amount of like you had to do your crib university year to make sure you had your credits. A lot of dudes are sitting around with whatever, like 90 credits. And they just need a couple online classes and some certification or working with guys to help them get student teaching while they're still getting paid because they cannot stop getting paid to then student teach. They have families to provide for. Yeah. And
1: actually my eyes are kind of in the sky right now because I've never thought about it that way would you guess what my first job was coming out of um, Cheney? <laughs> um, I was a paraprofessional at right? CR school district. I was uh, a paraprofessional at uh, the Kent County elementary IOC. Oh, and man. now looking back, I mean, I am extremely appreciative for the position and thank you to uh, Adrielle Benini and Todd Simpson and some of those big names who gave me a chance. Uh, but looking back, I'm like, I was also in one of those enforcement positions and it kind of made it hard to engage and to be that person um, for those kids to vent to and to come to and eat when they're in need. And with some of the things they have to kind of dump out.
0: Yeah. Cause it's all behavior modification, man. Exactly, And, and, And it's not, it's not focused on the intellect and the success. And that that's always been one of my weirdest why can't it be? And I don't know. It's just, it's exactly like I had no idea that you were what you were, right? Like I'm, I'm, I get your name. I'm like, yo, I'll talk to anybody, but in communities, names matter, especially local, local communities that are small. And there needs to be ways to empower people, to put them in positions of Leadership outside of just fields because we heard it just from you, dude. Like the GPA killed you for four, five, six years.
1: Exactly. And
0: imagine if you're like a seventh grade social studies teacher, right? And now kids get to see you up there in control, be intellectual as you are, articulate, speak. And they're like, wow, he's just not the dude that is in charge of the lunchroom or I go to when I'm in trouble or the one the teacher calls because he's my coach but he's actually the one in charge, right? Like I've, I've always, it's a weird duality that I haven't been able to find a solution to, to help, um, like stem that tide, man, to, to make the numbers better. Right? Like if you look at percentages of African-American teachers versus white teachers and populations in school, it's always skewed, right? You know, it's never balanced And, and it's messed up, man. Kids don't get it. And as much as you want to relate to kids, it's it you can't. I, I can't relate to those kids because I'm not like those kids. Even though I kind of am, I'm not, you know?
1: And I, and I think you bring up a great, great point. Um, me and my father actually did a training, um, big, big training at the Duncan Center in Dover uh, to a lot of associates from PBH and just officials throughout on how to engage um, Black children, more specifically Black boys, um, without being of the same culture or uh, oh. culture dynamic, and I think what what you're saying relates a lot because um, it is very, very. I mean, it's it's true. It's really hard for to, to engage. I mean, I also feel for um, all the uh, teachers from various ethnicities that really do care and are genuine and really do try to engage with these students because it is very hard. Dude, it's a culture Uh,
0: shock. If you're, if you're an upper middle class white woman, it's so hard to connect to a kid from like West Rehoboth or from like whatever pocket you want to like throw out there, dude, like it's just a different way of life. And it it is, it's, and I'm not trying to throw shade on them and saying like, anything's wrong with them by any means. But dude, right. it's it, it's tough because you just don't understand why when you say sit down and calm down, they can't just sit down, calm down. Like there's more right. to it, you know. It, it blows them. It does.
1: It's, yeah, so much more to it, and I understand. Like, and the behaviors, I mean, they get so extreme that it's it's, it's traumatic to watch and traumatic to see, and it brings up personal triggers for those officials um, due to not understanding and sometimes like the reactions. Just off of that. And yeah, I think I i agree big time. I think more um, African American males who are in higher positions, not just those para positions. And I mean, shout out to all the pairs, they do wonderful work. Dude, dude, they're, they're grinding. So
0: and they're grinding for half the pay. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, like, dude, the, the para job is a tough job. I and mean, I'm not trying to crap on them, but what I'm trying to do is be like, dude, you're already putting in the work. If you could grab 30 more credits, you'd be making twice as much, man. And, and your influence would be that much more expanded.
1: Wow. And you just spoke my life.
0: <laughs> right? Dude.
1: Because when I was a para, yeah. um, that's, that's kind of, it was a stepping stone for me. Like I didn't see it as the end all be all. And I, was like, and I had that 30 more credit mindset. And that's what inspired me to get my master's. And I'm not going to go too deep into what happened with the, the numbers. But um, I'm, I'm treated very well where I'm at now.
0: You mean numbers like pay wise?
1: Yes. <laughs> got you. Got you.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't want to um do anything like, it. but uh, again, like, so when you graduate Cheney, do you have a bachelor's?
1: Yes. When I graduate Cheney, I have a bachelor's in psychology and, um, as good as that might sound on paper, <laughs> not too much you can do with it, but what you could have did without the degree. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now my brother-in-law, uh, Andre Allen, childhood friend, he actually showed me some things you can do with a bachelor's, but by that time um, I was already working on my masters so um, I just stayed in the position I was in but it's not really much you can do with a bachelor's in psychology or any of the social science related fields I
0: mean man there's I don't know man I'm a and I, I gotta tread lightly because I'm still an employee right and stuff is public or whatever but I feel if the right people in leadership are in the right position to identify talent and take a risk especially on local talent, you should I, I I have a real hard time understanding you have a person with a bachelor's, which means you have the educational equivalent to my teaching degree, though you may not have all those classes. Right. And I'm not putting something in place to strongly encourage you to get in the classroom while tripling your pay. Because if you do that and you get a master's as far as an educator. Dude, can you imagine getting paid three times what you were getting paid to basically work the same hours?
1: Right. Exactly. And, and
0: like, so, so that's where I'm always like, dude, if you get a pair that has a bachelor's man, like you, you, you got to find a way as a district to just elevate them, keep putting them in positions of power, keep challenging them to like be more. I don't know. it It's a soapbox that I, I struggle with as I walk through um hallways, man. I, I mean, to go and on a tangent, you know,
1: I'm so glad you said that because one name I really want to give a lot of credit to um, is Todd Simpson. I mean, he bounced around a little bit. I know he was, in uh, Laurel, special education uh, director, I think for a couple of years, a year years ago, but now he's now he's back in Capitol. But at the time that I was a parent in CR school district, he was still um, with CR. And one of the things he told me in my interview, he continued to tell me throughout my time at CR was, "Don't stop here. I am not giving you this job nice. to stop here. I'm giving you this job to keep going." Nice. And my partner in crime, my classroom para co Co para i would say his name is trey mitchell um he's actually from cape area too uh but he moved to cr i think in high school for wrestling they won a state state championship for wrestling
0: um
1: (laughs) big shout out to trey mitchell uh he's my guy too his his dad uh, is a retired uh uh i think state police officer in that area i mean Big, big, uh, good, good people. I, I really like Trey, and I think both of us being in the same classroom, having the same dreams and goals. I mean, he wanted to uh, utilize that to grow into a teacher position. Mm. Um, I was utilizing my stuff to grow into a master's in social work. Right. And now, looking back, I mean, we talk now, and we're both we both achieved what we were set out to do in those positions. And I think like I say that to be because I say that to say that me and him. Um, are two prime examples of paras not stopping and not being satisfied with the comfort of being in the school and working in the school and having those summers off and having that pay anyway, getting
0: that pension (laughs) and getting them sick days and then benefits (laughs) and you're not holding a stop sign and all that stuff. Right. But like, my biggest thing is like you, part of it is like, should the kids, should the only role models the kids see be custodians and paras? Right. And like, right. and when you say it, it sounds kind of like, man, you're a dick for saying it. But if you really look and you walk down hallways in a lot of places that those are the role models that African-American at risk kids, especially the males see.
1: Right. And, and you're and like, how important is observational learning Right, and seeing that constant image of. He looks like me. He's a custodian. He looks like me. He's a parent. It it reinforces a mindset.
0: It reinforces a mindset, right? Like why was Obama such a big deal as being a president? Because now what do we realize, right? Like, oh my God. And like, it's, it's one of those things where like you, you spoke about going to college trips, right? Like teachers want to take you to college trips. So now you can understand like, whoa, this is what a college is. How do you know what a college is? If you've never seen one. How do you know what it entails if you don't ever get to understand and go and see and be like, Oh, and you spoke about going to an HBCU. Like it, it, there's something very reassuring that's hard for Caucasians to understand because in America you're constantly seeing people like you be able to do things that you haven't yet done. And you feel like it, I can step out (laughs) there in faith because someone else has. And
1: I think that kind of segues into my, uh, savior in high school and throughout my educational career a big piece of my life um and i don't think anything that i've been able to accomplish would have happened without her and she's also from the cape area dr Brittany hazard um oh wait stop stop stop
0: i'm I'm gonna tell you right now (laughs) i'm gonna tell you right now i spent three years with that lady you know how how i was in her cohort man Oh, man, yeah. I was in her cohort. Dude, that is, uh, yeah. She, Dude, you talk about great people being great, greater greater people. She greater people.
1: And she was <laughs> the foundation of what really lifted man up off the, the mentorship program I described earlier. So she met all of us in high school. Um, of course, um, beautiful black woman. We're all high school students. We're coming in knuckleheads. We ain't focused. and. We're motivated to to come in because she's a woman and all of that. But the change that she was able to instill in our lives, each and every one of us, um, that was in that Man Up program, Mm. I mean, we're all doing great things now. And I mean, we can't really give credit anywhere else. I mean, she was our savior and we still talk to her today. We still do things weekly with her today. But she was our mentor. She was the foundation of who ran Man Up. um, I did not know that. For kind of my father when she was working on her dissertation for a doctorate yep. and um, she changed our lives. I mean, we're all like, if I can name some of the guys, Jason Owens, he's currently um, in the air force. He's in Florida. He already has a bachelor's in Dell state. Uh, my, my brother-in-law, as I explained, Andre Allen, just got his master's in social work. Um, Myron Hayes, uh, D-Ron Wright, m- m- Marines. Uh, and then you have guys like Jeff Akins who are in Seaford. Uh, heavily in the community with youth and the boys and girls club and coaching and doing whatever he can to reach back and lift others up. So I give big, big credit to Dr. Brittany Hazard for all of us, not even just me. I mean, we none of us would be in the position we are in without her. And to kind of relate it to what we're talking about, she was one of those uh, African-American individuals who, were, who was in a high position. And we took her highly, and she gave us hope that, wow, we can be great. We can
0: do it, dude. She knows. She knows how to get in where she fits in, and like she can be anything she needs to be because she is everything, right? Like super, yes. super intellectual, super shut the fuck up, but she don't curse. You know, like just <laughs> right, put exactly. you in your place, <laughs> and you're like, dude, I so loved being in class with her because she would giggle, but at the same time she'd be like, dude, you gotta stop acting stupid, man. You know, and like yeah, she is you,
1: definitely a no. I mean, she's definitely fun. She, don't get me wrong; she's extremely right? fun, but but she's like, about business. She's definitely a no-tolerant. She's, like we came in there ready to joke and laugh, and, from the beginning, nah, dude. She sits down. Tone. We would get these books out. Y'all relax. Y'all had all day to play. Y'all ain't doing nothing all day anyway. Yup. Let's go,
0: dude. <laughs> and and again, like what you said, she's a tall, beautiful, and at this time, like what year? Are we two thousand ten ish, two thousand eleven ish.
1: Uh. Yep.
0: Yeah, so I mean like she's young young at this point and I didn't she play college basketball for HBCU?
1: Yep, she went to UMS.
0: Yeah. So dude, you picture that 5'10" walking in a classroom with a bunch of high school boys and to have control and be in control? Come on, man, that just speaks right. to that that just speaks to what <laughs> yeah, and what and she is. Yeah, and now married
1: to uh, a wonderful guy who we respect very dearly, uh, Reggie Hazard. Um, he also has been a like very instrumental, I'm sure, in um, her life, and which inspired her to be very instrumental in our life. So, big credit to Reggie as well.
0: Yeah, and she's um, I believe at one of the elementary schools at Cape, um, with the uh, counseling. Is it called who? Not the school, but it might be the program. I'm not familiar with the program she's running. It's
1: one of the new ones.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, and that, that's funny because I don't know how much like because it gets public, like how much you can like specifically drop. But I believe she's at Love Creek. And that's
1: what it is.
0: Yeah. Love Creek. And that's just, that's dude, again, like you talk about another one, Lisa Morris. Uh, do you have any um, interaction with Lisa Morris? Uh, I,
1: I, I probably would know her if I seen her face. Gotcha.
0: I wouldn't call her Lisa to her face. I would say Miss Morris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that tells me a lot about her already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Miss Morris, was that like, I'm, I'm sure Miss Morris somehow knew about Britney and was like, dude, you can help get over here. Do you know what I'm saying? And that, that's what takes me back to the local connection of just understanding who are people that are rooted. And um, it, it takes you back to like when you used to be able to talk to a parent in a grocery store and tell them what was going on with their kids and things could get handled. And you know, like back channel kind of stuff just to like socially support each other. Like right. that can very easily get missed and I, I overlooked when you're hiring people. And that's a huge hey. part of a school in a community
1: exactly exactly i agree 100 um it's a lot of layers that go into hiring and i think it's a process that happens maybe a little too quick sometimes um some schools take it very very serious i know TR did um but a lot of schools um i mean while it is hard to judge character off of just the hiring process but i think um it's very important who you let Influence. I mean, school. I mean, if you really think about it, kids are in school for almost eight hours a day.
0: Yeah.
1: For ten, if fall you're playing a sport, and, dude. Uh, spring. For a lot of years in their life, think about how much influence school has on an individual's life.
0: Yeah, because they're seeing that, dude. Forty, and again, if they play sports, you tack on another two hours, dude. That's fifty hours a week. Kids are in that culture, seeing exactly. what's going on there.
1: Exactly. Monday through Friday. So, I mean, it's really important that we put the right people in the right places in schools because um, one, one wrong move could be a kid's life.
0: Yeah. God. Man, that, that was a great hint. Dude, it's funny because I love nothing more than <laughs> – whatever um, like i I've, I've spoken with people in like eight different countries right and like you talk oh, to wow. all kinds of weird people not i shouldn't say weird unique people that you're like wow what a reach but dude it's great to be able to post some stuff about like dude this is local happenings with local real names of people who are doing work just like other people in communities all across the world
1: Exactly. Just It's exactly. just our
0: scale, man. Um. So, dude, and I, lo- I think
1: it's important to kind of give those people their flowers while they're here because
0: – 100%. Um,
1: because, I mean, you want to inspire our youth. They're our future. You want them to be in those same positions and do the same things, just like the ones who gave to us when we were growing up.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah, because people – it can be a little cliche, Um. but people – there are people that will, and it's funny because at the moment you'll never know you said it or you did it. And it won't be till a kid like comes back and kind of reflects on it or whatever. But like, you don't, re- it, it, you don't realize what you're doing, but you're doing
1: right. Like
0: either way, right or wrong. You don't realize you're doing, but you're doing. And right to have people that are like every day on that grind thinking like, man, today's the day where I got to make sure I'm doing right. Like that's, You want to make sure you get people like that around, especially kids who need to see right and need to be held accountable for right.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point because a lot of teachers who do great work never really get to receive um, their rewards because they were given so much hell from the students when they were actually teaching them that they didn't even know if they were making a difference or not.
0: Dude, those are the kids Um, that are the most
1: appreciative. I I mean, in high school, Nick Rossiter. In middle school, uh, Mrs. Gray, I hope she listened to this. Uh, <laughs> and she said, so many teachers where, I mean, you were a complete knucklehead when you were actually in the class. Right. But she didn't see, or he didn't see how much impact they've had on your life in the future.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> it's funny. Did you ever have any interactions? Well, you were on the west side of Sussex County, but um, I got into a conversation about Dr. Morris. Had you heard about uh, Dr. Morris, who was a teacher at Kate?
1: Teacher at Cape? Yeah. Uh, no.
0: So it again, it's older, man. I'm, um, I'm almost 40, right? So I moved okay. to Delaware from New York City. And I come fifth grade. And I, my mother's working at Kiss FM. Like, I'm very comfortable around all sorts of people, you know? And right. I, I come here. And um, Dr. Morris, who's a doctor, and it's mid-90s. He's a black male. And he's a fifth grade teacher. And go ahead and put some gum in your mouth. Go ahead and speak to that person next to you. Do you know what? I, go ahead and get up and think you can throw away some trash just because you feel you need to walk. Do you know? Or, or walk a certain way and see what that man does. That dude would put you in your place like quick, right. quicker than quick. Like one of those guys. Well, I was speaking with Cliff and he was like one of my favorite teachers all time. He kicked me out of class all the time but right. instrumental <laughs> right. in my life and me. development and helped me to understand boundaries and what I need to do and what it means to be responsible. But those teachers never get to hear it at that moment. Exactly. You're so right about that, dude. You're so right about and, that.
1: And it's crazy because the, the people that you, it's just a strange thing that teachers think that being a student's friend, I am not going to say teachers, some teachers think that being a student's friend and, kind of letting them get away with murder. Oh, it's the worst. In a classroom is, a connect, is the way to connect. It's the way to be their friend. It's the way to get inside. And it's not. I mean, the people I love the most were the people who challenged me the most. Boundaries, and, consequences. And I didn't appreciate it when it was happening, but right? looking back, I'm like, whoa, that person genuinely cared about me. She wanted the best for me.
0: Yeah. And I think you, you got to find the balance when you do it to make, to make sure you're doing it Not because you're pissed, but because you want the best for the kid and then it'll almost come across. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like you got to have the talk. like, dude, I'm doing this because it's the best for you. I want to make sure that you're right. You can be, but your, your intentions will come through in your actions and how you do those actions. And if you're intent, like you intentionally, like, dude, I don't want you to be a loser, man. Right. Like that, that's why we're doing this. The, the, that, even if the kid doesn't understand at the moment, they'll get it. They, I've re- I have a strong belief, man, that they will get it even when they don't get it in the moment.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, if you just think about it, I mean, I remember being in middle school and having one of the best players in the state on my team at c Middle School, Sean Horsey. And, I mean, clearly best player on the team. Um, I mean, looking very bright towards high school. I remember my, my father kicking him out of practice. Oh, um, and without even knowing that he's going to play next game, knowing that we needed him, right. I mean, we were undefeated and everything. But it was just, it was more about life to him, and it wasn't as much about. I like, kind of got like Coach Carter, like it was just more about what happens after basketball. I mean, if things stop at high school, what can you really say? If if your if your career, your high school basketball career, I mean, it's great to be good in high school, right? Um, but how much would it mean to? use that to get a free education how much would it mean to use that to inspire you to keep going and make something of your life other than just barbershop talk
0: no doubt like talking about like a whatever you know like for instance going 16 and 4 and getting knocked out in the first round your senior year you right. shouldn't you should have never told me that i had no idea i'm just gonna try, throw it in all the time <laughs>
1: heywood and heywood's gonna He's going to fry me for it. <laughs> he always talked
0: about it. But dude, what but what you're saying is again, even if you use that high school the the it's almost like a basic you can treat sports like a basic training like militaristically where it's like even if you don't make it to college, dude, you've learned again, show up, be ready, give effort, and you're going to be fine. You you can find a salary. Right. Not not I, just an I, hourly. You can find a salary with benefits with those types of principles in your pocket
1: exactly and these kids need to know it doesn't stop there it doesn't have to stop there i mean there's so much more to life than high school i think and if i can hit on race a little bit i mean i think um and today like we as african americans we've become so satisfied with the high school diploma oh that we don't really see outside that box and see how much more there is to offer in this world and that's why i Extremely credit HBCUs because um, they do a lot of work on establishing that perspective for kids who are in high school. That hold on, these college visits. There's more out here. High school is not where it stops. Um, it's the glory days, but it doesn't have to be the only glory days. And I think um, that's been something that is, is getting better in our communities. But um, well, as you get more, bothers more. me.
0: Well, dude, well, as you get more and more parents who understand the path, right? As you get more people who can tell you how to do it, even if I was unable to do it based on my life, I've now learned what I should have done, and now I can pass that knowledge on to my child. And allow them to, at worst, get an associate's degree, right? Or at exactly. worst, you're, you're going to be a HVAC person, or you're going to be a certified plumber. You're not just going to be a plumber's assistant, exactly. right? Like, exactly. Like just going that ne- whatever that next level is of closer to ownership is what, like, that's the next step, man. Because it exactly it's there. The opportunities there. The programs are there to make it happen. Um. But if you don't know, again, if you don't know what you don't know, then how can you? tell someone what to do
1: exactly and i mean that and that's the aspect that i have to say like i appreciate um, my girlfriend for because uh she's on a path now that she's showing that literally i mean that mindset of anything can happen i mean this girl literally can balance training clients being in school for physical therapy um, certification and degree, and working at Applebee's and oh, working Lord. in the hospital. Uh, like Jesus, man. I mean, she's amazing. I I even look back in time and I'm like, where do you find the time? No um, but uh, I mean, do- she's she's a she's like a Dodge uh, Charger engine. Like, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> she strong, got that Hemi fast and it doesn't stop.
0: <laughs> Dude, God, God, love you for working at Applebee's because you talk about some of the worst tippers in life. Are Applebee uh, tippers? Right. That's all I'm gonna say. She
1: talks about it all the time. <laughs> Dude,
0: you talk about some of the worst tippers. Like people who go to Applebee's and want to be upset. Like, look, if you get something on a two for one deal, you need to tip on the two, not the one. Okay.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Come on, man. Come <laughs> exactly. think of a server. You're making what two two fifty an hour at something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Don't tip on the one. Tip on the two. Right. You already got the one free. I, I just like, dude, nothing gets me more upset.
1: Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's literally congruent with some of the stories she tells me all the time. <laughs> dude. God,
0: dude, that was a great, know,
1: Applebee's has all those deals. So dude, it, people use that as a reason to not chip huh? just because they're paying for a cheap meal.
0: No, dude, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's them. Like, could you imagine if she was actually a waitress at like a Chinese buffet where it's like six ninety nine? you drop a drink off. Applebee's is barely a step above that with all the corporate stuff, like the giveaways, the corporation does.
1: Right. And it just
0: kills sales. I don't know if they go for a volume model. Like I've never understood how they're profitable, but the, the waiters to me, the servers, I I think bartending might be the best gig to be at Applebee's um, just for my observations. But I I feel like the servers, man, so get the short end because they limit your sections And like, you get all these people that all they want to do is go to, what's the deal tonight? We came in for wing night. Oh, it's 25 cent wing. Great. Give me 10. Oh, $3 bill. Boom. Here you go. Keep the change on a five. And you're like,
1: what? Right. (laughs) Like, what did I just do all that running for?
0: (laughs) No doubt. And that's the thing. It's not like you working less, right? Just because you're paying less, it doesn't mean I'm working less.
1: Right. Exactly. God.
0: God bless her and God bless your mother for doing that kind of stuff to be (laughs) successful. Because, dude, that's... that, that's a grind god that's a yeah, grind.
1: I, yeah it's a it's a real guy I, I watched her work very hard long hours and come home i mean really let really just fall out <laughs>
0: yeah man yeah because you just steady dealing talk about a psycho it's like the need for a psychology degree and understanding how to read people quick
1: right like you exactly. go to a
0: table man you better be ready to figure that out quick if you want any hopes of getting a decent tip
1: And I always think like, how do they push all their personal stuff to the side and still be so nice to these people? All the time.
0: (laughs) You just eat it. You grin and bear it, right? It's amazing. Dude, it's, (laughs) it's, it's like waiters can waiters and waitresses, servers can be punching bags just for society. It's a shame.
1: Yeah, seriously,
0: man. So dude, I want to, I want to go back a little bit because that was a great philosophical tangent and this is like, I don't know if it's bad podcast hosting or whatever, but it is the getting to know you pod. Um, (laughs) the, the pivot from you're a para with a bachelor's to getting into counseling. Was that always your hope to give back to the community or you're seeing something after you graduate college and now you're working as a pair and you're like, you know what, man, kids need to like be spoken to in a better way. I think I can help. Can just talk to me a little bit about your journey in, um, I don't know, counseling the community?
1: So, when I first went to, so I would, to first answer your question, I think uh, that moment where I saw that it was going to be counseling was um, when I went to Cheney, when I got to Cheney. Okay. Um, so, when I first went to Dell Tech, my first year after graduating in 2011, my major was culinary arts. Oh. I was ready to be the next emerald. <laughs> <laughs> um, but As I proceeded more and kind of explored a little bit, I was like, what if I don't actually want to cook for the rest of my life? Or I could always cook on the side and just thinking like that. So I went and changed to human services. And that's what human services made me think like, okay, I can do human services and literally bachelors can be in anything because human services are so, it's so broad. I can go so many different directions with it. So I picked human um, services at Dell Tech and that's what I ended up graduating with, with my associates so then when I went to Cheney that's when I turned to psychology
0: let me pause that's you for a moment man
1: I fell in love with theory I fell in love with the different ways to read people and how the mind works how the brain works and I mean I was intrigued throughout that whole two years of learning all about it while of course playing basketball and then I mean the was was living after that after I graduated with that and saw that I did good in it and um Got all those academic awards. I was like, okay, so let's try it for this master's. Let's go, to the, let's go to Delaware State University and right back at home. I'm already living at Dover. I'm a para. Um, let's go to the next level with this. And um, that's when I was ready to really be a therapist slash social worker um, in the field clinically. So that's what made me go for my master's in two years at Delaware State, which was the hardest two years of my life.
0: Was there... Um, And and I got two things. Were you a culinary arts major because you were a basketball player, and they were like, "Yo, this is the easiest way to get your bum ass GPA up."
1: (laughs) That's a great point because I had a lot of friends that went into uh, like recreational majors just so they could just keep their grades up. um, So I was culinary arts because I actually do love cooking still to this day. Okay. Uh, My father is like he did most of the cooking in the home, and he taught me a lot, and actually. Them working late all the time and us being in the house waiting for dinner kind of taught me a lot too.
0: Yeah, so, ain't unlike hunger. Um, yeah,
1: like I was actually genuinely, genuinely interested in it.
0: Okay, well, dude, you made a way smarter choice because if you're going culinary arts, man, you're working every holiday and weekend, right, to make exactly. money. Exactly. Like so. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like if I went that route, I would definitely have to own a restaurant or
0: something. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um. So then your human services and. To continue with the degree at Cheney, is there a, um, and I don't even know, is it like a college counselor or course selector? Is it the coach? Like what's who, who's in your ear about like, Hey man, turn this into the psychology bachelors.
1: Um, so. Um, so one very inspirational person um, at Del Tech was a uh, older uh, Caucasian lady named Miss Martha. Uh, she was working in the writing center, Aww. and she was literally all of our, the whole basketball team went to her for English help, for writing help, and um, I mean, she saved a lot of us from failing, <laughs> and she would always have these conversations about career choice with us, and um, I took one of those, you know, those tests you take online to kind of generate what would be your career choice and all of that, and based on that, those results, we kept getting um, areas in the psychology, social science, social work field. Okay. So she was like, I think this is really you. I mean, it's not a reason. It's not a coincidence. You just keep getting this in right. your results. So um, I went with it from there. And then at Cheney, I had Dr. Smith, um, who was a, actually, he wasn't in the field, but he was very inspirational towards um, achieving high academic standards and Got you. Um, not Reg- forgetting who you are. Uh, he instilled a lot of those things in me. And I mean, I had so many, I had a crowd of people who were very instrumental to my success. I mean, I had a team, um, almost to the point where I can't claim anything by myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I getting my master's kind of like a reverse way. I had an advisor who, um, I mean, nothing against her. I mean, it's literally, she, it was her wanting the best for me, but I was working full-time, full-time internship, full-time student. So, like I said, it was the craziest time of my life, and you're not allowed to get um, more than two Cs in the Dell State Master's in Social Work program. Oh, um, so I got both of my Cs yeah. in the first semester. <laughs> <laughs> so we had I had to have a meeting with her, and like she was hey, like, man. "Listen, I think you need to pull back, like on something, whether it's work um, or school. Like you need to drop something." And that when I left there, I was like, "No, like this is." The moment where I got to get serious. I got to get myself together. I know. I can really do this. I don't care if she doesn't believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. And I walked out of there with the most motivation oh. I've ever had. In my life.
0: Oh, so and you didn't take it as like an empathetic, she's trying to look out for you. You took it as like a, man, she don't can believe in me kind of a thing.
1: Right. And I took it like how basketball, basketball too. Like, I love it. I, like it was like somebody trash talking me in basketball. Like, oh, you don't know all the work I put in. Like, you don't really know what's all behind this. Right. I get what you're saying, and I understand um based on your job. Like, that's the information you're supposed to give me. But yeah,
0: that's standard. You line. don't know the story. There. I love how you said that you don't know the story, because dude, they do. Like th- those people do have like standard lines that their bosses tell them to like say. You know, like that, and that's something you want to understand. But at the same time, like you got to be aware enough, like. Is she asking you, what are you doing to get C's? Or is she just straight talking at you instead of trying to understand you? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I was a lot of talking at
0: it. Yeah. See, that, that's where people fuck up, man. And you know what? And you don't curse as much as I do. And I've really been trying to restrain myself. Um, so I apologize. <laughs> right. Um, but like well, that, that's what people don't get is like you can't talk at people to solve problems. You need to like ask to understand. Right, and-
1: uh mm-hmm. And I was watching because my story kind of relates to, and nowhere to say before I'm not anywhere close to this woman's level. But I was watching the Michelle Obama documentary Becoming, and she was talking about how she had an advisor at um, in school that told her that Princeton was her dreaming too high. Wow. And she eventually she eventually went and and of course went to Harvard after that and mentored Barack and all of that. But um, what I got from it was the worst thing you can tell a kid who is dreaming is what they can't do or what's not for them or what's too high for them because regardless of whether you feel that way or believe that that could crush them on a level where they don't even try for the lowest of the lowest Mm. just because of those those types of conversations so it's not it's not to say don't be real with them um but don't kill a child's dream. It's literally the worst thing you
0: can do, dude. It's in how you're being real with them. Like you need to lead them to the understanding. You can't speak at them what they should know without having, without them having ever experienced it. Exactly. Yeah. And and so like, and, and again, man, like I can just tell if somebody's coming at you with like two C's, you need to pull back. She clearly, as you said, like, she didn't ask the questions. She didn't take the time. And maybe her schedule, like you don't know what her workload is like, right? Like, so I'm not, I'm not judging, like, although I kind of am. But like <laughs> it is clear she didn't take five minutes to be like, Juwan, what's going on, man? Like you walked in right. here. I'm, I'm sure you walked in there and I'm sure you are like you are now. Like you're not stupid. You can pick that up immediately, right? So right. it's like, Juwan, th- this ain't you. Like, what's up? What, what's going on? Your grades at Cheney weren't like this. Why are you getting C's all of a sudden?
1: Exactly.
0: And then now all of a sudden you're putting a story together you're like, oh, well then now we're coming up with solutions. Like, well, maybe Jawan, you need to quit going to open gyms. It sounds like you're working out a little too much. You might have to be okay with getting fat if you want to study. Or something right. as simple as that where you're offering solutions to make it work.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that's important. And that goes back to Loving your job because yeah, the ones who really, really love it and love what they do they and they listen, have a passion for what they do, they have those conversations. Right. Not saying she doesn't or she didn't, but yeah. on that day, yeah. I just didn't feel like I was heard.
0: Dang. So, dude, you almost, and as soon as you said you got two C's first sem- semester, again, I just went to your poor mother. And I'm like, this woman's got you and you're coming home with all these academic awards. And she's like, my baby is fine. Did you you tell, does your mom know that you got two C's at this time? Or are you like keeping that away from her like crazy? (laughs) I was
1: just about to tell you that. I told her that after the fact. I did not want to cause her any more stress. Because like she knew I was about to get kicked out of a masters program after achieving everything I achieved. he would have literally lost it.
0: <laughs> Seriously. God bless it. And your dad would have just been the rock being like, he'll figure it out. <laughs> <He'll> be- <laughs> yeah, he figured it out
1: before. Just
0: let <laughs> so how'd you um what adjustment did you make, man? Or how'd you you just paid a little more attention? You like proofread papers a little better? What was the adjustment?
1: Um, I had to come to terms with me not being the best easy-to-pick-up learner. And mm. coming to terms with my disorder I was diagnosed with when I was little, the auditory process, and I read about it, I studied it, and I was like, I'm smart. I just don't pick up on information that easy. So my note pages might look a little different than the one sitting next to me. My study time might be a little bit longer than my peers. Uh, my, my test time and uh, presentations might take a little bit more preparation. And Once I came to terms with that and saw the results of putting that work in, uh, after that, you couldn't tell
0: me nothing. Jesus, dude, you talk about some self-empowerment and you make me want to curse with your story, dude, because I I, mean, like you just love some overcoming and pick yourself up kind of stories. I, I can't tell you how impressed I am that you're like, I've researched what this disability that I have and I figured out how to turn a disability into a dominance.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Dude, that's yeah. like like I that that's the separator right there, right? Instead of just being like, "Oh, I'm stupid. Oh, I have a disability. I can't." It's like, "No, man. I'm a I'm gonna figure out the can in it."
1: Mhm. Wow. And that's the key with a lot of kids like that little piece of yes that they tell themselves in their head is enough to take them far. Mhm. Um like it, it could be a million those. But that one person, that one positive person in that circle that says yes, or that one parent, or that one accomplishment that tells them yes, could be enough to take a kid a lifetime.
0: So I, and it's funny. So I spoke to um, Laura Lee, who is a cover band singer in Dewey Beach. She lives in New Jersey and she, she sings other people's songs. And that that like she's a cover band singer, right? But she's been doing it for 20 years, she makes a living, she pays off her mortgage, she's doing well. And if you think about that, how could you sing other people's songs, have enough regular work to make a living to own a home in New Jersey, right? Like you're doing well. And I'm like, Were you always a singer? And she was like, No. Um, my sister was the singer, but then I went in a talent show and I sang, and it wasn't until someone told me I was good that I believed I was good enough to do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And dude, you're like, so in eighth grade, you heard you were good at singing and that propelled you for your future career. Think about the power in that, like to go on with your saying, man, like people don't, people need to hear that they're good at stuff so that they feel empowered. They feel comfortable taking risks.
1: Yeah. And I, that's a great point, too, because I still battle with that today. And
0: No, you don't. Come on, man.
1: Because let me... So I've got... Like, even through my life today, like, I feel like every time it's something that I hit, I've just like, okay, where can I get better on? And it's always mm-hmm. with, with a new thought comes a new roadblock. So now, like, I'm working on... Like, I've, I feel like I became like a box checker, like this is what I need to do. Let's check this off. i uh, got my degree in this. i got my degree in this. I'm here. I'm doing the things I want to do. Okay, so now let's look at, well, how can I make myself happier? Oh, How can I make myself emotionally grounded? How can I do something that I love? And I can, again, credit my girlfriend for that because she's showing me that chasing a passion matters too. And not saying I'm not passionate about what I do for a living. I am. But um, it's like also extremely stressful job. And, I like my basketball side as well. I would like to get back into that. So, as I told you before we got on here, um, I'm working on a podcast, and I've got a lot of motivation from my family and my girlfriend about um, how, how I should believe in myself and how to just go with it and 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 watch how it plays out. Um, and to be honest, that business and um, the business having a business mind hasn't always been my thing because I'm just not a risk taker. I'm, very structured. I like to know what's coming out of each situation. Gotcha. I like to have something tangible if I put some investment in it. Um so it's hard for me to have that mindset, but more and more I'm challenging myself. Okay, I don't always have to have that corporate mindset. I can have a business mindset too and chase the things that um I actually want to do and bet on myself a little bit.
0: Dude, you so and I'm I'm gonna tell you this right now, man. You've worked to a point in your life and here here's how I knew when when I made it and, and and it's stupid. Right. But I was like 18. And it's funny, dude, because again, like I'm growing up poor. I'm in a trailer. I'm in harvesting Tall Pines, whatever. And I'm bussing tables and you're making 60, 80, $120 cash every night. And that's three nights a week. Dude. I'm making three, $400. And it makes me want to drop out of school. Right. And I got enough money. And dude, like, and I'm a 16 year old kid, dude, we'd go to courts and like you'd hoop. And like, You'd leave your like I would leave my wallet. You just like see basketball people. You throw your shit down, and all of a sudden you're balling. You grab your stuff, whatever. You miss your money. When I lost twenty dollars and it didn't affect my life, I was like, dude, I've made it. And right. the reason, that, <laughs> right. that, like, but, but like the reason I'm like, dude, like that, that that used to be like life and death. That was like school lunch money, man. Like, wh- like exactly. I, But the reason I say it is to say this, dude. And I'm assuming you've gotten to the point. Where you could lose a couple hundred dollars and you probably wouldn't notice it in a business venture, which is a great place to be in life that allows people who feel that way. it empowers them to take risks because if you play it out, whatever man, you put five hundred dollars into a podcast, you grab some mics, you you advertise you whatever and it's like, man, I shit ain't work out, but I learned I learned an experience right. and and it it it's a story and it's something that I can build from plus all right, I never make money, but it doesn't affect me because I've worked so hard to be in a spot where I have that discretionary income.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's like right on the money. Um, and yeah, I think I built that comfort, like you said, to be able to lose a couple hundred. Um, um i'm you spending it all on dumb
0: stuff anyway yeah right well yeah so that's the other thing
1: that's
0: (laughs) That's the other thing you're like all right man maybe i just get one less pair of sneakers maybe maybe i get one less outfit maybe i care about one less like like to go order or take out or eating out and um you just suck it up you know so exactly talk to me a little bit about your vision for the podcast then or is it because you're into basketball are you into the coaching aspect of it or the breakdown or are you trying to like Talk to players and get insights.
1: So I am um, kind of known on Facebook for sparking debates and having (laughs) a lot of basketball talk going on. I mean, um, I've started a lot in our local area um, regarding local people and, like I said, the NBA and, like I just, just my thing, the debate. And a lot of people always told me you should start your own podcast. You should. I mean, you have to be making money off this. It's crazy how much people. Uh, follow you, and how many people like they're always arguing with, and how it always works. So, I mean, I got some people in my corner that kind of inspire me to keep going, keep going, keep going. And my vision is to kind of use that that platform I have on Facebook right now, right, um, to kind of convey some of the message that we discussed in this podcast. Oh, um, I don't like I've never been a person who just want, who wants to make it all about basketball because. I feel like that's where, although it's a big motivational factor, as I spoke about earlier, it's also something that could be an end-all, be-all for some. Yeah, it puts so you in a box, I right? I use that basketball talk. Um, it's called Full Card Press. It's coming soon um, to gather a nice audience and to have a little fun talking about basketball. But I want to step away sometimes to talk about things that are actually meaningful and applicable to the students that we have in our own, in our own areas.
0: And dude, full core press, like that, that again, like you get the basketball reference immediately, but at the same time you think pressure, reaction, quick decision. And that can apply to any topic. Almost like right. what we was bouncing about with what African-Americans being like settling with a para job instead of being like, dude, you're 30 credits away. Go grab exactly. them. You know, that's a full court press conversation where you're trying to like figure that out. Dude, I love that concept, man. I love it. And
1: also the press. I, I came up with the press because of if you think about the press, the news, like exactly. the radio, like you call that press. So I was and, like, I'm, let me play with that word too.
0: hundred And full court, hundred percent. That means we go all up and down, right? Exactly. Yeah, dude. No, it, it plays on everything, man. That's a, that's a great, that's a great title. So what's Thank holding you, you up, it. man? Dude, what's holding you up? How come you haven't published? This uh, is your full core press. That's the
1: that I need to work on. Like, I just, <laughs> I had that betting on myself thing that I struggle with, but it's here. It's coming. It's finally here.
0: Dude, that's awesome. That's, uh... Um, sure. And so, and here's something, if I could just go with you on this, or I don't know if it's go with you or encourage you, because being someone who's plugged into the local scene, uh, again, a lot like... The omnipotent, always correct Haywood Burton, whose takes are never wrong. Um, When I talk to that dude and he starts talking about local sports knowledge and players and he starts putting things into perspective, I'm in awe, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not blowing smoke right now. Like, it's wicked impressive the way that dude's mind can just recall and connect things. You can tell, you can tell
1: a lot of local sports and everything.
0: You can tell he's been listening to that stuff since he was knee high to a grasshopper type of thing. Right?
1: Yeah, definitely. You can tell.
0: So I would encourage you again, NBA can definitely, um, is definitely a national thing, which is cool to debate about because who don't like like whatever talking smack on it. But Delaware, I feel gets really overlooked as far as its players. Exactly. And as far as this athletic scene, and if you had an intellectual who had different people on that could speak to and name drop, like you're dude, you're great at, like, like you, you just understand how to give credit where credit is due kind of a thing and start like promoting that. I feel like that local base would get you more views than like a national topic base because who doesn't want to hear about their kid or their school? Exactly. Right.
1: That's a good point.
0: Dude, I, I, man, I can see you j- just in speaking again, dude, we have never spoken before, but in speaking to you for this two hours, I can see that being awesome with the perspectives and especially the experiences you come with, man. Cause you're not coming at it as just a, like a one, a flat figure. You're well-rounded.
1: Exactly. I appreciate that. And that is my plan. I appreciate the inspiration. I'm I'm continuing to build on it and it's happening. I mean, it's finally here and I'm ready to launch
0: Dude, that's all. Wait, so have you actually recorded stuff yet, or you just got like the whole layout and you got all the infrastructure there?
1: Layout and infrastructure. Um, I have somebody working, out, working on a promo, and oh. I plan to launch as soon as I post that.
0: Man, yeah. So you're official. I never got a promo. I had to have somebody explain to me Instagram, and I was like, oh, right. <laughs> dude, my man Haywood, this, this is what, again, like, sh- I've been shouting Haywood out all day. Like, Haywood was like, make, he would message me make your Facebook page public so we can share it. And like, you could tell he just wanted to say stupid after every time he sent me that message, like three times in a row. Yeah. And I'm just like, appreciate you helping me out, man. Thank, thanks for the love. Thanks for looking out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's stuff yeah. like, but it's stuff like that. That makes it fun. Right. Cause you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to see what it is.
1: Exactly. That's dude, what makes it fun. Dude.
0: I'm excited to get someone like 302 sports ish, but like, more of a down South Kent County, Sussex County, 302 sports. Cause you're it's prime, man, dude, there's a lot of boys and girls, dude, we got a ton of capable, competent athletes that should get a little bit of exposure and talking to, and put into like reference about and relation as to where they stand to get these kids to like better spots. I feel like collegiately, or do you exactly. think I'm a little wrong about that? Exactly. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. You're on your
0: own point. Yeah. I I, I've never understood why it's been so hard for kids around here where they seem decent. And again, maybe, maybe I just don't understand something, but I'm like, man, I feel like they should be going somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: All right, man. So I've kept you for two plus hours now, and this is how I end my podcasts. So no pressure, but this is the most important segment of your podcasting life. I really thought you would laugh. I feel like that pressured you out. Don't sweat it. So it's this. All right. I end my podcast with, can I please get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile.
1: Best first for last. Yep. Don't overthink
0: it. Everyone does. It's simple.
1: Best first for
0: last. You know how everyone saves the best for last?
1: Oh, okay.
0: So it's a getting to know you podcast. So what I like to do is save your best first for, because I enjoy alliteration, best first, like first experience. And you've okay. given a bunch of them, but like one cool, like, man, the first time I, that's a like a neat story that people might not expect from you or something okay. that you really enjoyed. Uh, do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yep, I do. I'm thinking right now. So the best, my best first for last.
0: Appreciate you bringing this segment name back in, by the way. There you go. So you're a natural.
1: All right. <laughs> uh, would be entering the doctoral program.
0: Uh, oh, you had to geek out. to
1: orientation at Wilmington University upstate meeting all these ceos and cfos and ccos of all these major companies in indiana and all of that and they're gonna be in my cohort for my doctor and i'm like whoa i'm just a little kid from delaware uh, that had a basketball dream like what am i gonna do in in this in this environment how am i gonna sound like i belong how am i gonna show them that i'm worthy to be here too and oh. Um I think it's went very well. Like I think I bring a nice mental health perspective to our cohort and I think I'm respected from a young person's um view and I bring a lot of youth in our cohort and what's going on today in our generation rather than just traditional values that was thought of based on when they were growing up. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's something and I was shocked at that. And I wanna say so. <laughs> Doctor Atkins, or I'm sorry, Doctor Hazard. Now, right? Because I think when she was with me, it was Brittany Atkins. I might be wrong yes, about that. Yes, Oh, I am right. Okay. God, see, that's what the impact she no, had I'm on me. No, I'm saying
1: you're right about when she was with you. It was Atkins, and now it's Hazard.
0: Yeah. Right. So and so, Doctor Doctor Hazard, um, was we used to had a group. There was three, four of us. We called ourselves the Anti-Ageists because there was twenty oh, in the wow. cohort, and like the three or four of us that were younger would always work together. Well, Brittany was one of them, but she wouldn't come with us because she had her group that she felt very supportive towards. And I feel like she kind of knew if she came with us, there would be a real technological lacking for the individuals that she was supporting in her group. Oh, okay. She was that young stud that could figure out how to put the PowerPoint together, how to send all the emails, how to get you stuff. It wasn't like the other ladies weren't knowledgeable, but it was like they might not understand how to word process whatever, right? Right. So I say that to say this. I feel like people sometimes misunderestimate a cohort's age because the younger you are can actually be a detriment with these older, sophisticated, knowledgeable, experienced people in their professions. It's intimidating exactly. as hell, dude. Exactly.
1: That's a great point. And I was extremely intimidated. Um, I didn't even want to. They had uh, food and stuff. I didn't even want to come out to get yeah. food. I was just like, How "Am I going to do this? Like, am I in the wrong? Like, did I do this too early? Like, do I need some more experience first? And I mean, it's it's going very well. I mean, I actually, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you can notice it about me now. I don't really like to brag, but I'm very proud of. Um, I have a 3.7 GPA and I got a 4.0 last semester, and like. To just continually, continuously showing myself that I belong and I'm here and like the sky is limit for me and I, I write my own story. Nobody else really does. Dude. Like my visibility and as as Michelle Obama said, um, started at my dinner table. I don't really rely on the outside sources and the environment to tell me who I am and what I can be. Mm. Um, that was done early on when I was eating dinner with my parents. Yeah.
0: Jesus. If you could, if you, if there's one way to make America, right, it would just be have dinner with your kids, man.
1: Exactly. Dude
0: have dinner with your kids. And here's the, to me, the most interesting part. So you, and how tall are you, dude, you're telling me you're like dunking on people and you're a slasher. How big are you? Uh,
1: so I'm six 6'2".
0: six, two. So you, you're above average height. So you're physically, typically when you walk into a room, you're an alpha, right? Like male wise, right? Like yeah, you're feeling yeah. secure. Basketball wise, you're the man going to college, four year starter, you're feeling secure. You go to an orientation in college, and all of a sudden, all that security gets stripped away. Exactly. Dude, talk about exactly. some humbling. And it's that had to be a did you expect it after the like graduate degree with your master's, or was it it's, odd to feel that way?
1: I expected it, but. Uh... I just didn't know it was going to be to that extent. I mean, when I first pulled up, the kind of cars I see in
0: the park. Oh, home, Jesus. First right, of all, I was right. like,
1: Whoa, what's going on here? Like, pull, wait, down, wait, like wait, what, what did you. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Did you have a Honda? Hold on, wait, wait. wait hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to tell the story, but when you pulled up, were you in a Honda? What'd you pull up in?
1: So, I have a Dive Charger. I have a nice car. Okay. Um, but they had, I mean, Range Rovers and Audi. Yeah. I seen a Bentley out there. Oh, was Jesus. Kind of crazy. Um <laughs> uh, but when I got in there, it was kind of like what you asked about with the new coaches, um, a uh, coach's first impression. Right. Um, it was kind of the same with that. Like, um, just trying to like show that, that I belong and that, um, I bring something to the table too. And I, like you said, after all those years of accomplishing so much. I had to come in back with that humble mindset again. Right. Like, and I had to come back hungry again and curious again and willing to learn again. And it never stops. Like that's... the higher I go, the more and more I just get re humbled.
0: Dude. That's a great point. Cause again, you got a master's degree and you're, are you employed as a full-time counselor at this point? So you're making like a pretty decent salary, right?
1: Yes. And yes. Yeah. Um, I am uh full-time family-based therapist. Uh, Monday through Friday, of course, weekends off and all of that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, t- talk about time and,
0: Dude, if you yeah, wanted they, to.
1: They treat me well over there at DGS.
0: Yeah, like if you wanted to, you're like, man, I'm fine. Like coming from para kind of stuff, right? Like you're like, I'm set. I don't, I'll, I'm don't i the man. And to yeah, again, and humble yourself. I think that's dude. a good
1: point because I was watching the Last Dance documentary and I was looking at uh, how Scotty for years took less. And it's that mindset of. That we have as African Americans, of when we get something tangible that we don't know that we don't already feel like we're worth, you settle. you settle, settle. So then I got I could have got a bachelor's and been like, okay, I'm doing pretty well for my for my race. Yeah, that's it. Or I got a master's, I'm doing really well for my race. That's it. And that's what I mean. Like I write my own story. Like my story started at the dinner table. It didn't start with all these people who tell me what's for me and what's not for me. It started with my mom and dad telling me and allowing
0: me to ask and feel anything I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, dude, that's, that's such a great point. And the only thing I would add to it, and I've always, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but I've always thought of, I don't know how much, and I don't want to belittle racial issues, because as much as I can, I, I feel like I do understand them. But also the poverty part. I feel like if exactly. you come from poverty, it's so easy to settle once you get, like once you know my bills are paid and my car is not going to get repoed and I can always have food, why do I need to achieve more? Why, why, exactly. why do I need to strive for better and self-improvement? And even what you were getting into, and we don't have time for, but that mental health, happiness, pursue, that hobby, that that fulfillment and rounding of your life. I feel people who come from poverty, I'm not saying you came from poverty, but people who come from poverty can often settle at that first check like scotty pippen said he was like what does scotty pippen have like 17 brothers and sisters and two handicapped people exactly of, of course he's gonna grab seven million dollars who wouldn't
1: yeah he gonna hold that tight cause he dude like, i ain't never had this y'all not gonna take it away from no me. I'm doubt except- i'm
0: buying everyone a house and we're gonna be okay in arkansas right right like, <laughs> like but right. people don't understand they want to look at him like it's foolish and it's like no you sacrificed because you didn't know what it was to have so you didn't know how easy it could be to get. Exactly. And man, just keep being you and you're going to keep getting, but like you get that fear and it is easy to settle, man. That's a great point. That's such exactly. a great point. Yeah. Man, power. Dude, nothing but power. What are we? We're at 946 at night and it's nothing but power. Dude, I love it.
1: Duane. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the opportunity again. And I, I really hope and wish the well for your podcast. And I see you're already doing great work. You're talking to people all overseas. And I mean, I'm just honored. It's truly honored to be a part.
0: Dude. I got to be honest, man. Like I, I just, I appreciate honestly, the trust that can come from a conversation with someone who number one is going to be recording and almost like walking into that cohort where you're like, am I getting played? Is right. there, is there exactly. like a second camera here? Am I going to be set up in some way? And again, dude, I just appreciate your trust and believing in the getting to know you aspect of you're sharing your story. This thing can be spread. And it's a long conversation. I'll try to like chop it up so people can have clicks, like as far as like hitting sections, Right. but it's so important to sit down sometimes and just listen and not talk, but just listen and understand perspectives of what's going on, man. So exactly for for you to add to that, Jawan, I, I, I so appreciate man. I'm so appreciative of your time. And um. best of luck, dude, on the Full Core Press Podcast.
1: Yes, I appreciate you so much. Thank you.
0: All right, man. Hey, dude, great Bye. getting to know you. Have a good one. All
1: right, you too. Bye. And I've now become an expert on the subject I like most. Getting
0: to know you. Thanks to Juwan for coming on the pod. Um, I really love the fact that he was fucking just hammering home work ethic personal accountability and compassion like just basic traits for success um that are so great to hear and get reinforced it's uh unbelievable to have young men like him in communities and i'm sure it's happening all across this country um and others just telling his story with the hopes of helping kids helping them get a step up man it's fucking inspirational go get that doctorate boy thanks to andre for supporting the podcast go to his website that's a-N-D-R-E-Y-P-S-Y-C-H-E dot for gifts, merch, just creative shit that only his mind could make tangible. And finally, please, right now, before my voice fades, friend, follow, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on any social media and podcast platform. It's very much appreciated. Later.